This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Man, we got a great one for you. We are going to be talking about angry voters. Angry voters. The, you know, people, they're mad. They're mad. They're like, they're like a, you know, a morning talk show. When the board op, Ben, is messing around. They're angry. Wait, you're angry when I mess around? No. Oh, okay. Good. I couldn't be angry at you, Benny. You're like the boy I never had, even though I've had five. <laughs> I've had five boys. And you're I like, hope, I hope your whole family is listening to that right there. <laughs> I have five cute little boys. No, but we're going to be talking about angry voters, and that is a very uh, big deal. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, whether you're on the Republican side or the Democrat side, it's all of the outsiders that are able to stir angry voters that are ahead. It's crazy. Donald Trump, Ben Carson, they're the outsiders. And people are sick and tired of what's going on. Uh, Bernie Sanders on the Democratic side. This is just this is the year of the angry voter. So we've, we're going to bring in an expert, a professor, Dr. Alan Abramowitz, who will be joining us. And he's going to uh, give us the latest and greatest as to why the electorate, why they're all so darn ticked off. Which, you know, it's good to find out. Totally good to find out. In fact, Carly Fiorina was so angry that she wasn't going to be potentially in the CNN debate, she threw a little bit of a fit. And by golly, they got her in. Well, maybe. She's got to still hit the numbers. We'll find out, but that's a big deal. Carson, Ben Carson ties Trump in the Iowa poll. <laughs> it's happening, folks. By the way, uh, Col- Colbert, um, it's the weirdest way. to. I cannot imagine what he's going to be like when he's not in his in that persona as the Republican... Mm-hmm. Guy, that's Stephen Colbert. What's he gonna? How's he gonna just be an average know. Joe? It's gonna be really interesting. Don't you to watch think? that? Yeah. Biden's gonna be on his show, which oh, is hey, maybe that's when he'll make the announcement. Trump, I know, in September, and Trump is is gonna be on Fallon's show. See, this is it's taken off. It's interesting that people are angry now because I I don't think things have been done for a long, long time. But for yeah. some reason, right now, everybody's super angry. Well, and that's what the thing we're gonna talk about is this partisanship. It's it's a neg. It's called negative partisanship. Where it's who people are mad at, and the most the the group that are most angry are the Republicans, and they're mad at President Obama, mm-hmm. and they have been for six or eight years, <laughs> and so I'm um, seven years right now, and so in the end, um, there's a partisanship to it, and what we what we tend to do is we tend to hate the opponent, and then but it's funny because like you said, there's no context to this in a way. They should have been angry for years. For years, yeah. And now it's almost like they're finally paying attention to the inaction that's going on yeah. in Washington, and people are just they they're fed up with it. I don't blame them. It's I it's very either. frustrating. I remember someone getting asked if they would ever run for office, and he said, "You know what? I I'm afraid I'd lose my soul." And Ooh, I thought, "Wow, totally true." Yeah, it is. Oh, they yeah. get back there, and I think they get so jaded, and and they get into the money, the power, and yeah, I, I, I mean, think a lot of them have. To be honest with you, they've lost their soul. Yeah. Well, and I think part of that, you know. It's, it's 
Just go watch Congress. That's an interesting adventure. Just go sit there and watch him in action. Do they ever? You wonder? Do they get anything done? Well, no. It's because they're missing their soul. (laughs) It's gone. I can't work. I I don't have a soul. I don't even have a soul. Did you hear about that school teacher? Oh my word! Listen to this. A teacher, um, an elementary school teacher, who was allowed to keep his job despite being late for work 111 times in two years. I saw that. Isn't that unbelievable? But you know why? Ben gave me the same silly excuse. It's because I have a bad habit of eating breakfast in the morning. And I lost track of time. I didn't see the end of the story. Did he keep his job or did he get fired? Oh, he kept it. Wow. Um, A 15-year veteran, Arnold Anderson, tells the AP, I I lose track of time when I eat breakfast. (laughs) Anderson... um, uh, he was rejected an attempt to, by the Roosevelt Elementary School in New Brunswick to fire Anderson from his $90,000 a year teaching job. But the arbitrator also criticized Anderson's claim that the quality of his teaching outweighed his tardiness. I'm he such a good, a good teacher breakfast. that I can miss 111 times. Do you need can... a good breakfast before you come? No. In fact, it's right here. <laughs> Let me see it. I have a little bag of Belveda crackers. <laughs> this segment brought to you by Belveda. Actually, no. Are they good? I've never had those. Oh, they're fantastic. Are they? They're an entire day's meal in a cracker. You get all your nutrients and Mm -hmm. vitamins? Oh, good. You get everything. Wow. You even get some blueberries if every seventh bite you get a blueberry. (laughs) And you only have eight bites. (laughs) That's exactly right. And that is my breakfast. But it's so filling. Mm. I'm filled to the rim with Belvita. The... Quicker picker upper cracker. So your wife doesn't get up at four to fix your breakfast? (laughs) No. 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 She doesn't. She does get up to tell me to turn my alarm off. (laughs) Will you turn your alarm off? That's what wives are for. You know what I've been doing lately with my alarm? Is I it's my phone. I put my light flashes, my my flash on my phone flashes. You don't even need sound. When is you that, have a light, oh, mercy. I felt like a, I woke up thinking an airplane was about to land on me. <laughs> it was the worst. Either that or someone from heaven was coming to visit you. Yeah. Have you come the to light. get me? The light. Grandpa, <laughs> is that you? Have you come to get me, Gramps? <laughs> nope. It's just time to get up. Bummer. Anyway, uh, let's go to the headlines, find out what uh, Kathy's got up for us. Good morning, everyone. The manhunt continues in Fox Lake, Illinois, and after another police officer was shot and killed yesterday. Lieutenant Charles Glenowitz was shot while pursuing three men on foot. Fox Lake Mayor Donnie Schmidt talked about the fallen officer. Not only did Fox Lake lose a family member, I lost a very dear friend. Understandably, our officers are having a very difficult day today. More than 100 police are looking for the men using dogs in helicopters. The officer was set to retire at the end of the month. Another turbulent day on the stock market yesterday as the Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped 469 points. The big sell-off was attributed to continuing fears over the health of China's economy, the second largest in the world. Stocks in Asia ended down slightly this morning. President Obama is just one vote away from securing the Iran nuclear deal. Yesterday, Democratic Senators Chris Coons of Delaware and Bob 
Casey of Pennsylvania added their support, putting the agreement just one vote short of the 34 senators needed to sustain the president's veto. Congress will open debate next month on the binding disapproval resolution. CNN changed its criteria for its upcoming Republican debate, making room for Carly Fiorina. The original rule was to use an average of poll numbers from July 16th to September 10th, but changed it to August 6th to the 10th. That gives Fiorina a better shot at the primetime debate since her poll numbers have risen over the past several weeks. A new ABC News Washington Post poll shows more people do not like Hillary Clinton. According to the poll, 45 percent of Americans see Clinton favorably, down 7 percent since midsummer, while 53 percent view her unfavorably, up 8 percent. On the GOP side, 59 percent do not care for Donald Trump, with just 37 percent rating him favorably. Kim Davis, a county clerk in Kentucky, denied same-sex couples' marriage licenses yesterday, defying an order from the Supreme Court. Davis said she feels empowered by, quote, God's authority. Here's her attorney, Matt Staver. Now she's being asked to do something that no clerk in Kentucky up until recently has been asked to do. It's not something she signed up for. Davis said she will not resign her post, and a judge has summoned her to a hearing tomorrow. And Matt, just when you thought the brassiere was simply for support, yes. think again. What? In a miraculous escape, a 41-year-old woman in Germany was saved by a bullet <laughs> when a bullet, when it deflected off her bra. Big the, accident. The tourist, <laughs> oh my goodness. The tourist was on a bike ride with her husband when they unknowing, unknowingly crossed a field where a boar hunt was going on. <sighs> The woman suddenly felt pain in her chest. She saw she had been hit by a rebounded shot, but the underwire deflected the blow. Her husband <laughs> approached the shooter and explained what had happened, and the hunt was called off. Wow. So she had a kind of a bulletproof vest. My sisters on. always used to say that you can't count the value and the importance of a good bra. <laughs> That's and, what they'd always and, say. <laughs> and they were telling you that why? Because they were rude. <laughs> So, they were trying to so destroy. So the man's ear, were you wearing the man's ear or something? No, but I was raised by four women, and they would oh. just torture me mm-hmm. with yeah. talk of brassiers and... Did you see the man's ear one on I on did. I love... Oh, is that hilarious? <laughs> I tried one on the other day. <laughs> but I, now that now I want one with an underwire, apparently. <laughs> so she got you. shot. She walked... She, the rebounded shot hit her, and the underwire protected her. It, it boing. I wonder if we're missing the real important part. That she rode a bike or whatever into a boar, boar hunt. hunt. Uh huh. Yeah. Don't do that. Like, are there not like? <laughs> we're in any signs, signs, I guess. Yeah. Hey, we're we're shooting boar. Hey, please stay out of here. So, we're hunting some boar. Did you say boar or boars? I don't know. I like to say damn boars. Damn boars. <laughs> but you know what's interesting is, uh, do you like? Were they shooting at her? No, they I think, think they were shooting at a boar and it, and it and it ricocheted and hit her and and then it then ricocheted, ricocheted again, off of her and I think. Bing, went bing, harmlessly bing. to the ground. <laughs> wow. Who would have thought? You know, when she was at JCPenney buying that brassiere, who would have thought? I don't know. good thing she picked the underwire or else she could be dead. Oh, she could you know? totally be dead. Yeah. Well, the bra company has a new marketing strategy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Better than Kevlar. I love the Kevlar version. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Where'd you get your Kevlar brassiere? Oh, JCPenney. Crazy town. Hey, we're going to take a break, come back. You've heard all of the politicians. There's a, there's a movement in America. People are angry. And uh, we're going to be talking with an expert, a professor who is studying 
um, the anger of uh, today's voters. And he's going to be enlightening us into this concept of negative partisanship, folks. And it's probably driving a lot of the success of Trump and uh, Ben Carson. Everybody that's up, Bernie Sanders, those that are starting to get some traction tend to be uh, seriously backed by the angry American voter. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, if you've been paying any attention to the political world, you probably have noticed that uh, some very unlikely leaders um, and uh, politicians are taking the lead in a lot of the polls in Iowa and even New Hampshire. Uh, Trump, for example, Ben Carson, Carly Fiorina, a lot of these people, they're they're gaining some ground, and it seems. By the way, Bernie Sanders on the Democratic side. It seems to be that they're um, they have found this interesting vein in the electorate that uh, is starting to to get them some traction, and that crazy uh, vein is simply anger. There are a lot of angry people when it comes to our politicians and our political system, and we wanted to find out why. What's going on with all the anger? And really, is this a new concept? Um, and and what, what do we see the future to be? Dr. Alan Abramowitz is going to join us now. He is a professor at Emory University. And he, he says, you know, what we've seen in recent general elections in the U.S. is that what matters most to voters is not whom you love, but whom you loathe. And he's here now on the phone to help us figure out what's with all the anger. Dr. Abramowitz, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Well, I'm glad to be with you. Honored to have you. And Man, what is the deal? Why, why is everyone so angry? Well, I, I think what we've seen develop in the United States, uh, not just this year, but over, really over the past couple of decades, is uh, first of all a growing partisan divide in the country. Yeah, um, and increasingly negative uh, views of particularly the the opposing party and its leaders, um, and. Uh, so what we see is that on, on, on the Republican side, you know, there's this growing uh, dislike of Democrats and President, and President Obama. If you compare this, say, with, with uh, a past uh, a president and, and uh, the way people viewed the other party 30 or 40 years ago, it's much more negative now. It's also true on the Democratic side. Uh, not quite as true now, um, because I think partly you have a Democratic president. And all right. So this, this negativism... Uh, is really fueling uh, a lot of what we're seeing going on now. And I, and I think a lot of the support for these uh, kind of anti-politicians on the Republican side is fueled by uh, frustration uh, and uh, frustration with the established leadership of the Republican Party, which, uh, which a lot of uh, Republican uh, uh, voters, uh, particularly the more conservative ones, uh, feel has not, uh, you know, lived up to its commitments and promises right uh uh you know fairly or unfairly this is this is the way they feel that uh, that people like republican leaders in congress uh and uh, you know other republican elected officials around the country have not been um 
doing what they promised to do, which is essentially to uh, uh, they want them to oppose Obama and his policies more vigorously. And, and uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah. they're not seeing that. It's uh, it's not happening. Um, maybe it can't happen, but that, but they're very upset. Anyway. Is, is that why that the kind of the traditional um, insider, a Jeb Bush, for example, and a lot of the senators that are sitting senators, they're just not getting traction because – People don't want an insider. They want they want an outsider, like maybe even someone like a Trump that's willing to yeah. say anything, do anything. Yeah, I think that's right. And what part of what Trump is selling is the idea that he can get things done. Yeah, uh, it isn't even so much um, what he stands for. Uh, obviously, his positions on issues like immigration have <laughs> have attracted a lot of attention and yeah. gotten him some some support there, but. But it's also, you know, a large part of his appeal, I think, is just based on the idea that he could uh, overcome this gridlock, mm. uh, that he could almost single-handedly uh, get things done, that he's a strong leader. Uh, you know, it, it may not be realistic, but right. I think that is, uh, that is part of his appeal. And, uh, you know, on the Democratic side, I think it's, you don't see this quite as much, but I think Bernie Sanders is tapping into some frustration there that, uh, you know, even with a Democratic president, that uh, not enough has been done, uh, and and a lot and things have been stalled. A lot of the policies, like raising the minimum wage, um, uh, and you know other other kinds of liberal policy uh, uh, goals, uh, are have been frustrated. So this sort of gridlock in Washington uh, is really fueling frustration on both sides, and maybe uh, aiding the campaigns. Of the sort of non-politician can. Oh, Bernie Sanders is as a politician, but he's a rather atypical politician. Yeah, right. Is mm-hmm. do do you sense that this is something? Um, is this at a higher magnitude than we've ever had it? I mean, I, I know you wrote a wonderful or co-authored a wonderful article called "The Angry American Voter" um, right. for the Center for Politics, uh, and one of the things that I I found really interesting in it is. You know, it's really this is very this is partisan. Right. So the Democrats, they're not just angry at the whole government. The Democrats tend to be angry at Republicans and the Republicans tend to be angry at the Democrats. That's right. Was it worse with was it worse with President Bush? You know, uh, with President Bush, um, what we saw was that it was the Democrats were more angry at that time. Oh, really? Uh, At Bush. Bush. Uh, Right now, it's the Republicans who seem to be the most uh, upset and angry. Because you've got a Democrat in the White House. Uh, when Bush was in the White House, uh, especially in 2004, uh, there was a lot. A lot of Democrats were very unhappy about about the war in Iraq and and uh, his his policies. And so you saw that more. Even it was more more anger on the Democratic side. Um, so it tends to fluctuate. I think depending somewhat on on who's in the White House. Mm. Uh, but on both sides, we've seen this building for some time because you know again, regardless of who's in the White House, we, um, we find, see that the, the political system just doesn't seem to be functioning very well, and, and it's very hard to get anything done. So neither side, in a way, is getting uh, uh, the, seeing the policies that it supports enacted, uh, and so that leads to this, uh, this, this sort of frustration. That's what you call uh, negative you know, parties? Oh, go, go ahead, Alan. I think there are, there are other factors you know, in it as well. I, I think that um, you know, um, part of what Trump is... Um, tapping into, I think, is a sense of, uh, kind of anxiety uh, out, out there um, about some of the 
changes in the country, the, both the demographic changes, changes in the makeup of the population and immigration and so on, but also cultural changes, um, you know, with, the, for example, the same-sex marriage mm-hmm. uh, decision by the Supreme Court. Um, particularly more uh, socially conservative voters, I think, are feeling uh, anxiety and frustration and, and some anger about things happening that they, that they disagree with. Um, so it, it's sort of inevitable when you're going through a time of pretty rapid social change that you're, I think you're going to see this. It's not the first time in American history by any means, right. uh, particularly on the issue of immigration. I mean, this is something we've seen almost every time in American history that yeah. we've been through a major wave of immigration, uh, whether it was the Irish you know, coming in the 19th century or the Eastern Europeans, Italians and Jews and so on coming in the, in the early 20th century, that we've seen a reaction uh, uh, and, you know, this kind of uh, anti-immigrant sentiment. So this is nothing, really nothing new. Mm. And it's, I mean, yeah, you can almost tell it's, there's this voice that he somehow, you know, plugs into this pain that he somehow plugs into. And it really, it's almost like he's, uh, he's channeling it for these people because yeah. he, he's able to say something that is so absurd and extreme, but Yes, but it, then his That's ratings right. go up. So it's really like he's he's yeah he's just kind of finding that right little pitch. But again, we've seen this in the past. Uh, there have been other um, you know other leaders who've come along at times of social change uh, or during the you know the Great Depression, for example, who appeal to this kind of uh, of frustration uh, mm. among a large segment of the electorate, and uh, so. Uh, so Trump is sort of following in the footsteps of some of these earlier leaders. He has his own unique style, yeah. uh, certainly. Yeah, uh, and we don't know how far he's going to get with this. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people, including me, are surprised that he's gotten this far. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but uh, we'll see. You know, when we get into the actual voting, when it, when it comes time for people to actually cast their ballots in these caucuses and primaries, whether he's still uh, leading and and um, you know, I, I think he's drawing a lot of uh, criticism and opposition now from um, the Republican establishment figures, uh, as well as the other candidates. And um, when the field narrows down uh, from 16 or 17 down to, say, when we get down to 6 or 7, you know, then his 25 percent may no longer be enough to keep him keep him in the lead. But, you know, he's he's certainly having a, making quite a run oh, yeah. right, at the Let's uh, let's take a break, Alan. We're speaking with Dr. Alan Abramowitz, and he is teaching us um, all things about the angry voter. He's trying to give us some insight, some enlightenment about the history of uh, of this anger and and this. He calls it negative partisanship. We're going to continue the discussion after the break. We'll be right back, folks. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. To the Matt Townsend Show. We keep hearing about the angry voter, and many of you are like, well, duh. 
I'm totally angry. There's something going on. People are frustrated and angry. It's And we're learning about how even some politicians are able to capitalize on it, a la Donald Trump, Ben Carson, Carly Fiorina, Bernie Sanders. They're jumping on it. They're able to get some traction by riding this anger uh, a little bit. Joining us, though, on the phone is Dr. Alan Abramowitz from Emory University. Uh, He's a professor of political science and is here to teach us about what's going on with this anger. Uh, Thanks again, Dr. Abramowitz, for being with us. Yeah, sure. And and you, you call this you call it negative partisanship. So this isn't just kind of the general voter that's just angry at government. This is actually partisan anger where we're angry at the other party. That's right. If we look at who voters are angry about or at, uh, what we find is uh, uh, mainly it's the other's party and its leaders. Um, You know, Republicans are, are angry at President Obama, angry at Hillary Clinton, uh, angry at Democratic leaders in Congress, um, uh, largely because of disagreement with their policies. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, that's reinforced by a, a personal uh, dislike. Uh, and Democrats are uh, unhappy and angry at um, at Republicans. Uh, both sides kind of blame the other for the country's problems. Um, sometimes it spills over into frustration with your own side, um, but that's mainly because we don't see the uh, the leaders on our side doing enough to confront uh, and, and oppose the other side, mm. um, uh, and so people get more more frustrated there. Uh, so, but this is you're saying all, this is this isn't new, but is is the partisan right. anger new? I mean, it seems like it, maybe we weren't as as partisan, we weren't as divided. We weren't. Okay, no, that's right. Yeah, it, it's definitely been building for some time. Hmm. Um, so it's it's not entirely new in that we, we've kind of seen this growing really since the 1980s and, 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 and really since 2000, even more. Um, so you, you can see this in 2004 and 2008, uh, certainly in 2012. And, and so what we're seeing this year and heading into next year's elections is really a continuation, may, maybe even intensification uh, of, that, of that sort of sentiment. Uh, and, it's you know, unfortunately it's not likely to... Uh, to change much because I think the outlook is that after the elections next year, um, you know, we're very likely to be back in a situation where, um, you know, where we still have a situation of gridlock, at least in, in the when it comes to uh, the government in Washington. Yeah. Uh, and now at the state level, things are a little bit different. The state governments are sometimes, you know, in many cases dominated by one party, and, and they're... Um, there's less of that anger and frustration. I think people can more feel like uh, they're they're getting things are getting done. Uh, they, uh, and uh, especially if you're in the majority, uh, uh, support the majority party, the dominant party in your state, you, you may not feel that same sense of anger and frustration there. But when it comes to the federal government, which is so important, obviously, uh, in so many areas, I think you see this. Um, yeah. And, and it's again, I think it's not likely to go away anytime soon. Do, do you sense it, that the media is having an impact on this partisan rhetoric? Because it, I mean, right. e- nowadays, even a shooting, the tragic shooting of those new, the newscaster and, and um, the photographer, even that gets polarized by partisan rhetoric. Yeah, the, the media clearly uh, are playing a role in this. 
uh, and are, re- are reinforcing some of this uh, polarization and and uh, and playing into this anger. Uh, certainly, we we have in this country now uh, a new type of media, uh, different from what we had in the past. Uh, it's much more partisan. It's much more uh, ideological. Uh, if you talk about things like um, cable cable news with Fox News and M- MSNBC, um, if you talk about talk radio. Uh, if, if, if you look at the end on the internet, of course. Um, so the, uh, the, the media audience today is much more fragmented uh, than it was 30 or 40 years ago mm-hmm. when we were all basically getting our news from the same sources. Uh, and, and, they were, and they were fairly you know, nonpartisan sources. Uh, today, uh, a lot of us, especially those of us who are more politically engaged, tend to uh, rely heavily on sources that are more partisan uh, and, and, uh, and sometimes feed into this, this, this sort of anger. Well, you can actually see it, can't you, where um, these politicians are not only kind of anti-government, you know, calling out for the need for change, but they're also anti-media in a way. They're taking yeah. on the media, and that seems right. to even fuel, fuel this yeah, more. Especially on, on, the, on the Republican or conservative yeah. side. Um, you see this, um, you know, anger and frustration at the so-called mainstream media, um, and and that's fueled the rise of uh, of conservative media outlets, and, and of course Fox News being the most uh, uh, noteworthy. But what's been very interesting with the Donald Trump story is that you know he has been kind of a, uh, criticizing or attacking Fox News. <laughs> so it's very unusual. I know, for yeah. A Republican candidate going after. Fox News, and then you know they not now again. I think they've called the truce again. Uh, <laughs> you know, he had another meeting with Roger Ailes, yeah. and they're back. Uh, they're buddies it, it's again. Quite unusual. Uh, that that's been a rather unusual aspect of this. And amazingly, though, it again works. Like he takes on Megyn Kelly, and you'd think people would just be repulsed that by what yeah, he yeah, says. I was, and I was yet, very surprised. It goes the other way, and then Jorge Ramos. It was another. I mean. Jorge right. Ramos again, kind of seemingly more of an advocate type of journalist, but yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. but again, he yeah, took him and, on and handled him, and again, it seems to bode well. Well, it, it actually works for both sides if you think about it. That's so true, it works huh? For Trump, um, but for Jorge Ramos, and and yeah. I think, you know, so Trump has become now a punching bag for the uh, a lot of the uh, the Latino or Hispanic you know uh, media mm-hmm. in, in this country. Uh, and of course, a lot of Republican Party leaders are very worried about the consequences of this. If, right. If uh, Republicans are really antagonizing uh, this, you know, rising voting bloc that's, that's uh, oh. uh, you know, whose support is um, critical, going to be critical in the general election, uh, it's not necessarily good for for the Republican Party. But it's been good for Donald Trump, at least in the short run. Uh, I think that you know his supporters and a lot of a lot of conservative voters. Uh, React very positively to hmm. this, seeing him uh, attack uh, Jorge Ramos and, and and you know this confrontation. And Jorge Ramos is you know you know he, it, it's it's actually helped him because he he his he's become more prominent mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know probably you know viewed more favorably by uh, his uh, those who who view uh, you know, his program. Does so. this does any of this matter? Uh, to kind of the non-political follower, uh, if I'm just the average Joe, like my wife, I always talk to her about 
politics on the show, and she's like, "Yeah, I don't like it when you talk politics on yeah. the show." Yeah, so there are a lot of people like that. Is um, she? Is she? Are, are they not as mad then? They're not. So, I mean, uh, uh, what you find is that uh, uh, you know, there's a large segment of the American population who are um, less political or apolitical, and and they're not engaged in this, and and they, in fact, it, it's kind of a turnoff for them. Um, so it, this is really affecting primarily the people who are more, more politically engaged. Um, you know, so, hmm. so, so uh, if we want to, if we want to feel less anger, we probably ought to become less politically engaged. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think some people do kind of, uh, stop paying attention. Uh, you know, we have lots of other options if we don't want to pay attention to what's going on in politics. These days, that's the other thing about um, the the way the media have developed is that not only do we have liberal and conservative, you know, alternatives to turn to, but we have you know entertainment programming and sports and lots of other things that we can watch. And so, you know, if you're not interested in politics or you know if this makes you uncomfortable, then you know you, you just stop paying attention. Hmm. Oh, that's scary. It's also scary to think that you could get elected by simply just playing on the anger. Instead of you used to have to get elected, it seemed like by playing by having policy, by having ideas, and now you can just almost play the anger. Well, we'll see. I mean, I, I think. Yeah, it may not last, huh? It may not. It may not last all the way to next November. Let's hope so, not. Huh? But I, I have to actually get off and, and do something. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, do you? Uh, I've got a. Uh, you got a date. Uh, we understand, yeah, Alan. Yeah. An, I've got to go. An early morning class. Well, Dr. Alan Abramowitz, we appreciate you, my friend. Uh, okay. Great insight. Uh, in, to talk to you. You too. Into the anger of uh, of the electorate. It's such a crazy time, isn't it? That we, we're so angry and yet so polarized, so partisan that it almost doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter necessarily what what is truth because we're, we only listen to our favorite newscast and we only get the news we need. Hmm. And then we're angry, and and it eventually sucks the life out of us. Crazy, folks. The, uh, the angry American voter. Interesting stuff. We'll take a break, my friends. Come back. Continue this with a little Coach's Corner after the break. Stick with us. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. everybody to the Matt Townsend show. You know, we're talking about uh, just the anger that exists in the country and with the voters and really and the partisanship. So the people that you'll see are most caught up and most angry are the ones, if I'm a betting man, that are watching TV and noticing the stories and noticing the news you know, it might be that, you know, you've had an impact. You've been impacted politically by something that's happened. You've been frustrated by a lack of decision-making or promises that were made that weren't kept. Um, and we start to feel that. But it's it's one thing to have that happen to us. It's one thing to, you know, to be impacted in life. It's another thing to keep chasing it and chasing it and chasing it. And so to be healthy— in life, at some point, 
you got to learn when we need to engage anger and when we don't. To be angry over your uh, political situation or what's going on with the country, is anger the emotion you really want to have about our political situation? Is anger what you need? Is um, is exhaustion really what you're feeling? Remember, anger is going to be a fairly basic response to something, but it's not always the healthiest response. And I think I think honestly and truly, it's easy to keep people that are angry, angry. All you got to do is just keep telling the same story, which I believe honestly is what we see happening in the news. It's it's amazing to me how much play Donald Trump can get because he's so bombastic that he, certain people know it's going to charge their ratings and and drive the ratings up. And they're not doing it because it's in the best interest of the country. They're not doing it because it's in the best interest of the dialogue or the discussion. They're doing it simply because it's going to get ratings. And the funny thing about Donald is he knows that. Donald knows he's going to pull ratings, which is why one minute he can beat up Megyn Kelly and the next minute he's he's hated by supposedly Fox News and the next minute he's buddies with Fox News again. And you know, all you got to do is watch CNN and you'll see that they're getting a good ratings boost from Donald Trump. If it makes you mad, that's a whole different story. This partisanship thing is absolutely crazy. And I've mentioned this on the show before. We're one nine eleven away from no longer being partisan for a little while. That's just what will happen. As soon as we have a natural disaster or a major national issue or problem, or attack, we will all unite. We will be one. These colors don't bleed. And the next thing you know, we're friends again. And about two weeks later, everyone will start throwing everyone under the bus again. And I think what's interesting for our politicians is they, they you know, everyone likes to claim that Donald Trump's so simple-minded and, you know, these issues are a lot more complicated than Donald makes them sound. But I think you're noticing that nobody cares if they're complicated. Just say you're going to aggressively do something about it and actually say stuff that no one else would say, but that people are thinking. People are thinking that the borders are too porous, right? There's too much – there's too many people going in and out of the borders, well, I know it's a very, very complicated. Sure, it's complicated and you can talk complication. But the reality is, is if people are thinking there's too many people easily crossing the border and then somebody comes out and says, you got to stop them from crossing the border, that person sounds honest. And then if I have to listen to you tell me how complicated it is, which I know it is, just so you know, I know it. I think you're full of it. So there's the battle. Now, it making you angry whole different ballgame. The reality is, I think when we get into this, I taught this last night to a bunch of uh, my clients that are trying to learn to communicate. I have to be able to sit there and hear what you're saying. I have to hear what people are saying. Even if I don't like what I'm hearing, like even the extreme rhetoric about immigration that is so anti-human, it's crazy. I still need to understand that's what you're saying. 
I don't need to agree with it. And just because I understand it doesn't mean I agree with it. But one of my favorite quotes says, you can't fix a problem you don't understand. You can't fix it if you don't understand it. And if our politicians can't really understand that a big, huge group of people in this country are tired of people crossing the border, if you don't understand that, then you can't fix this. You can give it lip service. And by the way, if you can't understand that there's already 11 million (laughs) illegals in this country, if you can't understand that and we can't just toss everybody, it's it's not feasible. So, but then we stay in our partisan polarized rhetoric. The only solutions are going to come when we can figure out a way that we can tighten up the borders and handle the 11 million people that are already here and the children that are already citizens. Notice the word and, 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 and. Well, I know it's very complicated. Okay. So what have you done over the last 10 years that you've been a senator? What have you done? What have you done? That's, I think, why people are fed up. Anger, I promise you, not the emotion that we need. Um, In the end, it's natural. I get it. And nine out of ten people would agree with you. I'm angry, too. But uh, in the end, if you can't if you can't be in the political, you know, audience and watching without getting really angry and ticked off, then you're probably in it too deep. And I, I would probably suggest we watch less of it. You go get a hobby. Get another, get something to do. Go run for office. If you want to be angry, go do something about it. Oh, I am. I sit and watch Fox News every night. Well, maybe not that. Not nothing against Fox, but the anger is not solving it. The anger is just heightening it. And by the way, this isn't even just politics. We can take a shooting of a black man in a in a city and all of a sudden it's polarized. And yet the funny thing is we still agree cops shouldn't shoot innocent black guys. We agree. Get rid of guns. Okay, here we go. Let's go polarize it. In the end, the solutions, if we ever want them solved, and I personally believe that many, 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 many groups wouldn't allow the issue to be solved. They can't allow it to be solved because if we solve gun issues, then we're going to unemploy a lot of people that make money fighting the gun issue. If we solve the abortion topic with a really incredible solution, it's not going to happen because people have a vested interest to fight against a mutually beneficial solution. We, We can't do it. We won't do it. We're unwilling to do it. We're incapable of doing it in almost every setting politically. And, and and when you think about it, all of these issues eventually make it back to the world of politics. So I wouldn't – don't use your energy to be angry. Use your energy to be creative. Use your energy to be, um, to be insightful. Start a blog and go insightfully breaking down the issues. Become educated in it. And the more educated you become shouldn't make you more angry. It should make you actually more understanding. You can't meet a need you don't understand. And then once I understand the needs, it doesn't mean I need to meet it. I can always not meet it. It's tough stuff, isn't it? Anger, not the option. I mean, it's easy. 
It's just not going to serve you in the long run. Because in the end, you're the one that carries the venom. You're the one that will eventually pay the price. That's uh, hour number one of the Matt Townsend Show, folks. We're going to take a break, come back next hour. Next hour, we're going to be talking about siblings, uh, in-laws, right? So do you ever have a a little dispute, a little fight with your in-laws? We're going to be working on uh, how to to create healthier relationships with your in-laws. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you find the good in the world. We'll be back after the break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. We're doing what we can today. To give you the tools, the things you need to have a healthier, happier life. You know, it's one thing to get the news. It's another thing to get uh, what you need to be able to survive this crazy thing we call life. Welcome to the program. Today we're going to be talking about uh, how to get along with uh, siblings, your in-laws. Is that ever a difficult thing for you? Where you, you know, you just don't want to go to those family parties anymore. No, (laughs) no. Don't make me go to the family party. I don't want to deal with the in-laws anymore. And whether it's your parents-in-law or your siblings-in-law, we're going to be getting some inside advice, some expert advice from Sandy Malone, who has uh, actually been a wedding planner and has worked on 500 weddings and has seen the chaos that in-laws can create in the lives of their family members. So we'll be getting to that in just a few minutes. But before we do that, did you hear this crazy news? Holy cow. President Obama, you know, busy. President of the United States. But yesterday was able, I guess, to shoot a, a, a segment with Bear Grylls, the outdoor survivalist. I thought you were going to say he shot a bear or something. He shot a bear in Alaska. Skinned it. And then he came out with a skin on him and he's like, rawr, and he scared all the press corps. No, so President Obama, you know, he's done a lot of stuff. Slow jammed late night TV on late night TV. He's done a lot of stuff with YouTube celebrities. He's now with Bear Grylls shooting an episode on running wild with Bear Grylls. What president has time to go shoot an episode of running wild? Well, he has plenty of time for golf, so this is... That's know, true. He's know. probably golfing less. Yeah. But the, the problem is that's a scary thing because Bear Grylls does some seriously messed yeah. up could stuff. could you do that? No. Yeah. Well, I could, but why would you? Why would you? Especially if you're president. I'd have him shot. Can you imagine, can you imagine the Secret Service? Oh, in fact, apparently the Secret Service said a couple things you're not doing. No, you are not going to eat a mouse boiled in urine. <laughs> we can't let you do that, Mr. President. I don't know what they said, but there were certain things that he's not allowed to do. Um, but after, I mean, this is the guy, you know, that if he could just walk down the mountain, he chooses not to. He chooses, like, to slide down it on his parka. Mm-hmm. Anything he can do to make it more complicated. <laughs> we actually have some audio, though. This is this is a coup, you guys, because it's hard to get audio from the president. This isn't out there. We found it. It's audio of the president 
being interviewed after a day with Bear Grylls? <laughs> Go ahead, Mr. President. Are you there, Mr. President? Well, so did you have a good time? Did you did you did you learn anything, Mr. President? Okay, uh, let's just cut away. That doesn't. I, I mean, I know that's the right audio. It just, wow, he had yeah. a bad day, I guess. Yeah, or you know what? Maybe it was just so emotional, beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Alaska is a beautiful, beautiful place. It's a, man. He sounded. The president sounded sad. I feel bad. I hope he's not embarrassed by that. Um, I don't uh, see why not. Uh-uh. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's crazy. Hey, did you hear about? Uh, I hope he didn't make him eat a eat a crazy um, toad. Did you hear about this guy in China? No, Shanghai. Don't eat toads. Bottom line. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, a simple lesson that this 70-year-old man in Shanghai learned, he, uh, he was hospitalized after eating three toads, which he bought and boiled into a soup in hopes of curing a skin disease. So, oh, we got audio? Do we have audio of the boiling? No, that was me. Oh, is that you that, got, that did this? Is, well, your, is your name Gao? No, I, I just didn't know it was bad. So it was, man. I was cooking breakfast. You were just cooking is breakfast? Is that the story of when you put a toad in the water? No, that's a different does... one. Oh, okay. That's a different one. That's a different story. Okay. Yeah. If you just turn up the heat slowly, they uh, don't slowly, know Slowly, right. Yeah, because right. they could jump out. Right. No, but this one didn't jump out. He heard that eating toads could clear toxins from his body and may be able to cure the disease that he suffered for for many years. Gao boiled the toads into a soup and ate them. And then amazingly, he started to vomit and feel dizzy. Mm, and then why. he went into shock and his heart rate dropped to as low as 30 beats per minute. Wow. After emergency treatment... And the washing of his stomach, by the way, very difficult. Right. <laughs> um, washing of his stomach, Gao was sent to intensive care unit. Now, remember, guys, some parts of the toad are used as medicines, but they are also toxic. Like some parts of the toad, toxic. So frog legs might be okay, but just not yeah. maybe the innards or something? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, let's just all agree that that doesn't work to cure cancer or other skin Disorders. Other maladies, yes, no. Hope the president didn't do that. Can we just let's just go back? Let's see if the president's feeling better, um, because just to have him, just to have him, I, Mr. President, how, how, Mr. President, how was your day with Bear Grylls? Okay, uh, the, exciting. It was joyful. You're moved. You're saying you're moved. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? Let's let's cut away. Let's not do this. I feel bad again. We'll we'll come back to you, Mr. President. That's just tragic. Anyway, uh, let's just change things here and go to the headlines with Kathy Aiken. Thank you for that, yes. Two Democratic senators added their support for President Obama's Iran nuclear agreement. That puts the president just one vote shy needed to sustain his veto. Democrats Bob Casey of Pennsylvania and Chris Coons of Delaware made their announcements yesterday. The Republicans' binding disapproval resolution will be voted on sometime this month. Residents of Fox Lake, Illinois, are expressing their support for a local police officer shot and killed in the line of duty yesterday. Charles Glenowitz was killed when he ran from three suspicious men. Here's Fox Lake Mayor Donnie Schmidt. Lieutenant Joe Glenowitz was a 30-year veteran, a decorated police officer, a family man, and a dear friend 
G.I. Joe was a father of four boys during their asset to our community. Over 100 police officers have broadened their search for the men this morning, and they're asking residents to report anything suspicious. Glenowitz was planning on retiring this month. The death marks the fourth police death in eight days. The first hearing for the Baltimore police officers charged in Freddie Gray's death is scheduled for this morning. Attorneys on both sides will present arguments on three issues, whether the state's attorney Marilyn Mosby should recuse herself, if the officers should be tried together or separately, and whether the charges should be dismissed. Charges range from second degree assault to second degree murder. Gray died April 19th, one week after he was critically injured, allegedly in the van he was transported in. Kim Davis, the county clerk in Kentucky who refused to hand out marriage licenses to same-sex couples yesterday, she did so despite a court order to do so. We are not issuing marriage licenses today. So Based I would, on what? I would ask you all to Why are you not issuing marriage licenses today? Under Why? whose authority whose are you authority? not issuing Under licenses? God's authority. Authority. I'm asking you to leave. I'm not leaving. We're not leaving then until we have a Do your job. Davis could face contempt charges. She's been ordered to appear in court tomorrow. Vice President Joe Biden will be speaking in Florida to different groups over the next two days. His visit to the battleground state has some wondering if he's going to make a run at the presidency and whether or not his decision should be coming any time. Meanwhile, his possible opponent, Hillary Clinton, is dropping in the polls. According to a new ABC News Washington Post poll, Clinton is more unpopular than ever. 53% say they see Clinton unfavorably. That's up 8% percentage points since midsummer. GOP contender, GOP contender Donald Trump has a higher unfavorable rating, 59% from that same poll. And Matt, I don't know if you saw this. It's an incredible, incredible story. And Texas surgeons implanted an 87-year-old man's badly burned hand temporarily in his abdomen. Did you see that? No. A true story. Why? Well, he Frank Reyes almost he almost lost his hand when the trailer he was working on it slipped and then it crushed Ooh, the back of his yeah. hand. But his hand was on metal and it was so hot outside it basically cooked oh, cooked no his hand. Way. So after traditional methods didn't work, uh, doctors at Houston Methodist Hospital tucked in the damaged portion of his left hand under a flap of skin in his abdomen. Wow. For three weeks. It so is he, the most incredible picture. So he looked like Napoleon. Really? Exactly. That's what it is. So his kind of fingers are kind of out, but most of the top of his hand is underneath the skin in his abdomen. So it kind of helps form a new blood, a blood supply. Holy cow. But I guess it's not novel. It's been used on the battlefield in um, serious trauma situations, but the hand's been taken out, and he's healing well. I mean, it's really a remarkable so picture. That you just, should see it. Uh, I'm going to go look it up right now. That's um, – Wow. Yeah, What's they just next? Put it in, That's crazy. And you see his thumb and his fingers kind of sticking up, but all of the top of his hand is underneath the skin of his stomach. It's really crazy. Blech. Crazy, yeah. They this tried is a all the other time. stuff, you know, with skin grafts and things, mm-hmm. but it wasn't healing and it got infection. So this way, it helped, I guess, with the blood supply to the hand. Well, you and after th- three weeks, but yeah. you would think just you would think your hand is. I guess the, I guess they cleaned it, but it seems like it would be kind of dirty. <laughs> yeah, I think they cleaned it pretty good. I yeah. hope they did. Yeah, so he was in <laughs> the hospital amazing. for just three weeks, laying in bed with that. What that a cool hand, right? time that neat? to be alive! Oh wow, thankful. And for he's eighty-five years old. That's great. Yeah. Oh my heavens! Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, man, great news for him. Yeah. We um, we're going to come back, folks, and get into this topic of sibling in-laws. Do you have uh, brothers, sisters-in-law that drive you crazy? We're going to be talking about how to get along better with your in-laws. Sandy Malone will be joining us. She is um, she has a really unique perspective on relationships. She is a wedding planner, 
that has done and been uh, participated in over 500 weddings um, on her uh, on her island. Uh, it's a it's an island wedding, and her job has taught her about in laws. Holy cow, folks! Some interesting insight about how you can make your relationships better with the in laws. We don't have to ruin each other's wedding. Let's just get along. Stick with us, folks. We'll be right back talking in-laws and in-law issues right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Mm. Ah, here comes the bride. Isn't this a beautiful moment? You can just imagine the bride walking down the aisle, the groom up at the front, the in-laws just scowling. Ah, can't believe this is happening. Today we're talking about in-laws and your relationships with your in-laws, with your sibling in-laws as well. And uh, we wanted to bring on an expert, and we thought, who has seen more than Sandy Malone? Now, Sandy Malone has a really interesting history. She's a political journalist turned wedding planner who currently resides in Vieques, Puerto Rico, with her husband, Bill. And after experiencing their own wedding planner catastrophe... They decided they were going to leave their home in D.C., move to the island, and they started a wedding planning business on the on the island of Vieques. And they now provide basically destination weddings there. And one of the things that she's done, she's now completed over 500 weddings that she's been a part of, and she's seen a lot of in-law problems and uh, is joining us today to help us walk through this, talk through it, how we can make our in-law relationships better. Sandy Malone, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hi there. I'm thrilled to be with you this morning. Great to have you. What a what a great background you have. Journalist turned, you know, wedding planner. And I bet you've seen some seriously messed up in-law relationships. Well, you know, it's hard because as a destination wedding planner, if the bride and groom don't tell us during the planning about a real problem that exists, sometimes it can be a really eye-opening experience <laughs> for us. Yeah, you sit them next to each other. Island. Right. Holy yes. cow. So, so talk about this. How, when, you, when you have to deal with all these – I mean, it's a weird situation because certain people are paying – other people aren't. There's a lot of emotion. This is my only son, and this crazy lady's marrying him. What do you see are some of the biggest um, in-law issues? Well, I think a lot of times uh, the mother of the bride and the mother of the groom have had visions in their heads for a long time of what their children's weddings will be like. And if they weren't included in the wedding planning for whatever reason, whether it was, well, maybe they are contributing. Right. Well, sometimes they're not contributing financially. Sometimes there's a reason the bride and groom have decided not to involve either set of parents in the planning. Hmm. Um, sometimes it's, that's why there's a destination wedding, because the way you couldn't make either set of parents happy by having it in either the bride or the groom's hometown. So the compromise was we'll make everybody travel. <laughs> That's right. So 
you don't always know what you're walking into. And as a wedding planner, unless I've had a bride and groom be really forthright about what problems do exist, that the night of that welcome party, I'm holding, my fingers are crossed, and I'm just hoping when everybody gets there, it looks like everybody likes each other. <laughs> Does it, um, I, I'm assuming most of the weddings come off without a hitch. There's no problem. Vast majority of weddings go off flawlessly, and everybody's happy, and everybody's having a fantastic time, and it's what you, you always dream about and what is portrayed as, as the ultimate wedding. But sometimes there are hiccups yeah. that make everybody, at least on my wedding planning team, cringe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I recently had one that, that really upset me because it, it sounds very silly, but Brides and grooms really want spectacular weather if they're having an outdoor wedding. Right. And even when they have a plan B for inclement weather and the bride and groom aren't freaking out, that doesn't mean that their parents won't be. Sure. And not long ago, I had a bride who her mother was in a wheelchair and couldn't go upstairs to the suite where the bride was getting ready. But the mother of the groom had perfectly working legs uh, and, and used them too too frequently. Oh, no. And so um, the bride had asked us to postpone the ceremony for about 20 minutes to see if the rain shower was going to pass over. And we were happy to do that, and we were getting ready to implement Plan B because it wasn't looking good. And we've got a pretty good track record with weather. I am very, very lucky. Hmm. Most, most of my brides and grooms are blessed with beautiful weather. Right. But... In this particular case, the bride was staying relatively calm, and the mother of the groom kept stalking up to the bridal suite to tell her that the wedding planners were not doing this, and we were not doing oh, that. Boy. And, you know, I, I wasn't making the rain go away. Yeah. <laughs> and there are some things that are well beyond my capability. Oh, my heavens. So, you can't even do that, Sandy? I know. <laughs> I try. I, You know, I work with God, Mother Nature, and karma. That's good. And... I try. Hit the trifecta there. That's right. uh, In in this case, the bride was a lovely girl. The groom was a really great guy, and I'd worked with them for almost a year, and none of the parents had ever been brought up as a problem other than being prepared for the handicap accessibility for the mother of the bride. Mm. And the mother of the groom kept going upstairs trying to upset the bride, and it got so bad that the bridesmaids sort of helped push her out, you know, we don't need you up here. And at that point in the game, I've got a staff member up there with the bride because we're, we're making a tough call. And yeah. we're all on radios and headsets. Oh, no. And I've got, and my, I've got a poor girl up there with Sandy, you're not going to believe us. <laughs> She's awful. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what do I do? Nothing. You know, you, uh, I mean, there's, there's only so much you can do. Right. Because you have to show a lot of respect to the parents of the bride and groom. But... That is torturing the bride. Oh, yeah. And I have seen parents torture their soon-to-be sons and daughters-in-law, and I don't understand it because this is the first day of the rest of everybody's life together. Yeah. You're all going to be family. You are going to be family for the rest of the time you're married. And no, everybody on both sides of the families, they're not all going to be best friends. No. But... You don't have to be best friends, but it sure makes life better for everybody if people are kind to one another and, and like each other well enough 
to enjoy that special day. And I, I've often thought to myself, you know, you're going to be grandparents someday, probably. Yeah. Likely share, sharing grandchildren. Don't start off the first day of the rest <laughs> of your children's lives thinking about yourselves and not about what they are going to need for their futures. Well, that seems like where there's a big problem is just these everybody has these expectations and we may not involve them because they're problematic anyway. These people are difficult anyway. But you have to communicate through this stuff, don't you? I mean, you, the more we can inform and communicate to these people, it seems like it would improve the likelihood that we're not going to have a knockdown drag out at the wedding. Well, I ask my clients very clearly from the beginning, please tell me if there's a problem. Mm. Um if I know about a problem in advance, yeah, you can handle it. Often, yeah, I really can. And my husband is wonderful. Uh, he works with me in the wedding planning business. Uh, we joke that he doesn't have to come into the office. He's semi-retired unless the uh, guests <laughs> are on the island and the bride and groom have arrived. But my husband is a former SWAT team commander. Oh, there you go. Transit police. Yeah. Yes. And he's one of the calmest people in the entire world. We balance each other very, That's very great. well. That's great. And when we have a particularly different, difficult mother of the bride or mother of the groom, we will park my husband to babysit because he can talk to a brick wall. <laughs> and he will chit-chat with them and make them feel so happy and good about things. Yeah. But, and, and again, we're all on radios. <laughs> we're all telling each other what's going on. And if you tell me in advance that we might potentially have a problem with anybody, it's not just moms and dads. Sometimes it's siblings, cousins. It can be it can be a variety of people. Mm. Any anybody who forgets that the day is not about them, and so we try very very hard to make sure that everything will go smoothly. And when brides and grooms reveal to us ahead of time who the problem child is, yeah, we try very hard to mitigate anything that could. Yeah, happen. then you can have the SWAT <laughs> officer there. That's right, and carry He's a taser. So calm. It's so great. I mean, it really, I mean, it's funny that it has to be that way, but, and that's what's funny about our relationships and our families. We know where the troubles are and we just need to probably really actually probably prepare more for them. We're speaking with Sandy Malone, who uh, has has such an interesting background. By the way, she, she was the star of TLC's reality TV show, Wedding Island. And she's walking us through as a wedding planner on Vieques, Puerto Rico, uh, the island of Vieques. She's walking us through lessons that we all could learn about how to, you know, have a better relationship with uh, our in-laws and siblings, not just around the wedding time, but kind of throughout life. We'll take a break, come back more with Sandy Malone, getting the tips to uh, have healthier relationships with, you know, the extended family, the in-laws. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, on the phone with us is Sandy Malone, and she is um, she's a wedding and event planning expert, but also was uh, a reality TV star on TLC's reality TV show Wedding Island. 
She also has a book coming out next March, How to Plan Your Own Destination Wedding, Do-It-Yourself Tips from an Experienced Professional. Today she's joining us to talk about in-laws and not just the horror stories, but some of the the tips that she's got to build healthier relationships with sibling in-laws. Sandy Malone, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. Great to have you back. What are some of the tips that, what, what are the things that you've seen at works putting a wedding together when, when it comes to in-laws, but what works to keeping those relationships strong and healthy? Well, I think the best thing that people who are about to commit their lives to each other for the rest of their lives can do is to address any potential problems before the actual wedding week. Don't wait and see what's going to happen if yeah. you know that you have a potential powder keg on your hands. You might not have all the problems you think you're going to have, but don't don't put it off. When you get engaged, one would hope that you've met each other's families and that your families have met each other. Now, sometimes that doesn't happen because of geographic restraint. Right. But one of the most important things you can do is introduce everybody to each other ahead of time. Um. That way, no one feels like they've been left out. And and sadly, there are brides and grooms who are afraid to introduce their families to each other. <laughs> right. And you know what? Avoiding it isn't going to make it go away. So a lot of times you'd be surprised how much, how much more smoothly things can go when the moms have had an opportunity to meet ahead of time. Yeah. They might come from two completely different worlds. One mom might put on a power business shoot every single day while the other mom has been a stay-at-home her entire life. And they come from two particularly different perspectives. But it doesn't mean that they can't come together over the mutual love for their children. Mm. So I, I think if you introduce everybody and, and give them an opportunity to get to see the good qualities in advance, then it makes things better. Remember, if your mom and dad love the person you're engaged to, the people who raised the person you're engaged to must have some good qualities there that sure. went forward. So I think you address it ahead of time. Also, if there are problems, if there's been a problem, don't shove it under the rug. Yeah, especially if you know. You know, you know. You know if your mom's a loose cannon. <laughs> you know if your oh, dad's got a drinking yeah. problem. I mean, you know you know your parents. Just You're just saying yeah. don't be naive and brush it under the rug. This is not going to be good in the end. No, it isn't. And it never works out well when they do that. Um, I recommend that you take on problems as far ahead of the wedding as possible, especially if people are going to get upset. Um, Because if people get mad, they cool off again. Right. Um, If you wait and it explodes one week before your wedding, there's not enough cool off time. You can make efforts to bring everybody together in advance. It doesn't mean you have to have everybody together at the same time, but future brothers-in-law and sisters-in-law meeting each other ahead of time and liking each other is a fantastic thing, and there are all kinds of ways that you can do that uh, with activities and sharing a holiday in advance. This is, it's a great idea to put the building blocks for a really solid family and life together ahead of saying I do. Right. I mean that's kind of like a no-brainer, right? What do you do? What do you do when you think about it? Um, what What are some other activities or tips that you give um, with with these families? I mean, I'm assuming like at a destination wedding, a lot of people are showing up and meeting each other for the first time. What are some other ways that you can get your families together 
and kind of build a relationship even before the wedding? Well, I think that inviting the parents together to meet is very important, especially if they're from different cities. You need to find a way to do it. And if one family is financially able to travel and the other isn't, the bride and groom know that. So be sensitive to it and make it work. Find a way to make it work. Um, If there are siblings who are uh, not as close into the family, maybe uh, a black sheep of the family, so to speak, but they're still going to be invited to the wedding, don't pretend that there isn't a a big elephant in the middle of the room. Mm -hmm. Address it ahead of time because... If tempers get heated, if people get upset with each other, there's time to cool down, say I'm sorry, and fix it ahead of time. Some people, um, not some people are just not good people yeah. in this world. And I've seen some meanness. I saw a beautiful bride and groom, and the bride's family was not at the wedding. And um, I knew that she did not have a connected relationship with her family. And the groom's family seemed to embrace her very much. And mm. actually, my staff and I were saying, isn't this wonderful that she's going to have such a great, solid family foundation? Um, but then as the wedding weekend progressed, the mother of the groom kept doing mean little things that would tweak mm. the fact that her parents weren't there. And uh, ultimate slap in the face was the mother of the groom went up and requested the song We Are Family from the DJ. Hmm. When the bride, bride's family wasn't there. <sighs> and... Yeah. It was cruel. Oh, that is. And, and I don't understand those things. Um, I don't understand why you would do that at your child's wedding. Um, it's not the day isn't about you. Certainly it's important to you, but it's not your day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that is kind of the the rub of this, huh? Is it's there just tends to be sometimes this insensitivity from one in-law to another. And it's I guess it's just it's kind of ignorance in a lot of cases. And sometimes it's just mean, I guess. How, how do you, I mean, you, you would hope these people would already have these skills, but they don't. And I guess as a wedding planner, you're not there to, you know, to do therapy. Well, I say I'm not a family counselor. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a licensed therapist. All I can do is say I've been a bride and I'm a human being. And um, the wedding weekend is about the bride and groom. And whether it's a destination wedding or an at-home wedding, because I, I've done both, um, whatever it is, it's important to keep in mind why everybody is there and keep your personal nonsense out of it that is, is not really relevant. It's so important to understand that if you do something bad at your child's wedding, whether it is somebody with a drinking problem or somebody who uh, does something else in public that is embarrassing. If you ruin your child's wedding, your new son or daughter-in-law may never forgive you. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's on video. (laughs) And they may may forgive you, but they will never forget. That's true, huh? And neither will the other 75 people who watched you make a fool of yourself. Yeah. It's It's such a powder keg. Um, oh man, Sandy, I really, I wish we had more time to talk about it. I think you've got a really, um, a, a, just a, I think a really unique insight and approach to all of this. Again, everybody, you can go find out more about Sandy. If you go to her website, sandymalone.com, or you can also go to her wedding planning site, weddings in, weddingsinvieques.com, weddingsinvieques.com. 
That's for your destination wedding in uh, Puerto Rico. That's a cool. It's a cool goal. And you know what? You're going to have to get on the game, though, folks. You're going to have to have a relationship with your parents. And parents, don't blow it, man. Don't make it harder than it already is. Stick with us, folks. We'll come back to Coach's Corner. Give you some more tools, some more ideas for dealing with the difficult people in our lives. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. That was a beautiful, beautiful moment. Princess Bride, Mowage is what brings us together today. Hey, um, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking about in-laws that are outlawed. And um, the funny thing is, is we don't get married to then think, oh, yes, I can hardly wait to have the worst relationship with my in-laws ever. Nobody wants that. And it's not even just stereotypical. You don't have to... You don't have to hate your in-laws. I love my in-laws. They're fantastic. And when we think about it in the end, folks, it's humans. It's just a bunch of humans trying to get along. One of the problems we run into with our in-laws, though, is our history and expectation. A lot of people, when, when we're getting married, we don't give up a lot of our old beliefs like that even as a mother that your role is to continue mothering that child. But mothering a 25-year-old on their wedding day is completely different than mothering a 10-year-old. I'm just not sure that all the mothers understand that in the moment. It's at some point you have to be willing to let your kids go. And it's it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. But I, I honestly, in my business working and coaching um, people, I, I see so many times that in-laws are so overly involved and they're actually hurting relationships. So I wanted to just give you some tools, some ideas for how we go about honoring our father and our mother and our father-in-law and mother-in-law through some of the difficult times. One of the facts, just to keep clear in your head, is that um, – Many people, you're just not naturally and inherently always healthy and effective emotionally and socially just because you're older. So a really basic rule I tell people is just because these people have seniority on you, it doesn't mean they have social skills. It doesn't mean they know necessarily what they're doing. And so be careful because if they're, if they're causing problems in your marriage, if they're becoming a problem for you, that doesn't mean you need to follow their lead. The rule is always never follow the lead of the most emotionally or relationally jacked up person. Make sense? It seems like a no-brainer. But if you know your mom has issues, if you know your dad has issues – we probably ought not follow their lead, right? So 
when when they're trying to tell you how the wedding should be, you can listen to it. You can understand it. I mean, it's a different game, by the way, if they're paying for it. But at some point, you are a grown-up. You are an adult, and you've got to become independent of your parents. Many of the examples that Sandy was giving us, there's a very easy way to fix some of those stories that Sandy Malone was just telling us about the mother-in-law up in the bride's room creating chaos. It's it's called get the groom. And all the groom if the groom can't control his mother, that's a whole other problem. But you don't need to call security and, you know, an ex SWAT agent. You you just the the husband is responsible for his parents. The wife is responsible for her parents. If there is tension between the mother and the daughter-in-law, the groom has to take a position. And what I see in my business, a lot of grooms won't take a position. You know, I really don't want to get involved between these two women that I love so much, and I don't want to take one of them off. The problem is you're not marrying your mother. So unless you want to marry your mother, take a position. And the position probably ought to be, I'm choosing my wife. Now, there's reasons you might not do that if your wife's not healthy, right? If if something's wrong or broken, but there's a reason we're taught to cleave unto our spouse and to, unto no other. We need to be tight and close to our spouse. So step up. If there's a problem in in-laws in your marriage, then... Really, what I see then who then who's, who's the parents and the groom and the bride you gotta basically own your own position if somebody doesn't like my mother, if my wife didn't like my mother, I need to have a I need to get into the game. I can't afford to just sit by and watch and hope that those two just sort it out no i honestly i see that so many times i can't even tell you and a lot of times it's daughters in law and mothers in law fighting and the groom just sits there and like what it's not my problem no dude you keep this up it's going to be nothing but your problem this doesn't go away uh we need to quit looking away and start uh, getting our game on we do need to honor our father and our mother right but there are certain points where it's not honor anymore to follow the lead of something that's broken. It's not honorable to talk about your spouse behind your wife or husband's back. That's not honorable. So if your mother or father want to talk bad or you find out that they're talking bad about your spouse, tell them, Mom, that doesn't deserve honor. I'm not going to participate in talking behind anyone's back. By the way, that also means you probably ought not talk about your in-laws or your brother-in-law or sister-in-law behind their back. If you have a family that's used to just throwing each other under the bus, you can stop it by just not participating in it. If you keep doing that, then guess what? You're part of the problem. I know it's hard, and I know there's reasons, very good reasons why we do it, But in the end, if you're still part of the talking problem, you all know what that feels like to have somebody – to find out somebody was talking about you. Do you trust them? If you know somebody talks about you behind your back, do you trust that person? No. So I would be very strong and courageous. I would try to um, be very loyal to the absent. If somebody isn't there – 
and they're talking bad about that person, I would try to show some of the person. Now, then you're going to create the ire and the wrath of your in-laws towards you. By the way, if you see that reactive behavior, then point it out. Like, this is just immature. I get it. I know that you don't want to, and I know that it's easier sometimes to just sit there and we can all have our least favorite in-law, but the problem with it is the least favorite in-law or the role of least favorite in-law will rotate, and eventually you'll be the next target. (laughs) You know what I mean? You're one job loss away from becoming the target of the lazy bum that won't go get a job. Now my daughter has to work because her husband won't work. If you are used to just being disloyal to everybody, and it's fine because they're not picking on you. They're just picking on the other guy that's really a jerk. I'm telling you, you're setting yourself up. Another one is family secrets. Um, Keep family secrets secret. We don't need to sit there and go tell all of our family's private secret issues. If you're an in-law and you're let into the inner circle of a situation or of, of uh, and you're now, you know, have access to information, be so careful. Be so careful with what you say and what you don't say. You can be real and you can be respectful. Those two things can go together. You don't need to be a jerk just because you have to say something. You can still be respectful and share your side of the story. I get, too, that some people are just unhealthy. They're just dysfunctional. But let me give you my great word of wisdom is you have to figure out your in-laws if you want to understand your children. Because I promise you, one of your kids is going to come out sounding just like your father or your (laughs) mother-in-law. They have the same genes. And you're going to – all of a sudden, your kids are going to say something. You're going to be like, oh, my word. You sound like – my in-laws. So spend the time trying to understand your, your parents-in-law so that you can be a better parent, right? You don't need to throw your judgments around carelessly. You don't need to throw out every opinion. Sometimes the most noble people have opinions that they don't express. Don't think that just because you have an opinion, it needs to be shared. That's one of the great lessons I'm learning as a parent with a married child is sometimes you just smile and say, sure. No, that'll be great. You just have that baby natural. Don't worry about any painkiller. Just do it. You just smile and let them them live their life. They'll learn. And they might find out something really powerful about themselves. Let them learn. Also remember that you, um, you might be helping to calibrate a person's conscience. When I start giving feedback to people, um, as a father-in-law or as um, a son-in-law or whatever, sometimes we are there with each other in our families to help our family members calibrate their conscience so that they can learn different ways of thinking. Be open to that. Let people influence you a little bit more, especially the people that you care about. There might be a reason why your mother-in-law might be so much more uptight than you are. And see if you can't let that influence you a little bit to calibrate, you know what, that there is, there's a lot of benefits to being, you know, more focused and more scheduled and more micromanaging. There's some benefits to that and see if it can't influence you instead of just always rebelling it against it. Don't always make everything an either or, either she wins or I win. You're not there to compete. Um, don't always believe that everything has to be perfect. 
as an in-law, your children's lives don't need to be perfect. Let them struggle. Let them suffer a little bit. Let them go have some unmatched furniture in their home. Let them have that bookshelf that you've (laughs) carried around since you were in college. Let them use that for a while now. You don't have to set your kids up for the perfect life. Let them figure out their own life and be okay with that. Anytime you do have to correct, anytime you feel a compelling need to have to say something that you have to be sharp or firm, always make sure you come back with more love. Lest they esteem you to be their enemy. You don't want them to think you don't like them. If you have to be strong, if you have to be firm, be firm and then come back with more love. Make sense? Anyway, they're family, folks, and I don't care whether you married them or you were born unto them. Guess what? They're yours. And you're going to be at their funerals, and at their funeral, everyone's going to know how you treated them. It's not going away. This is Human Relations 101, folks. People matter, even if they're the most difficult people in your life. They're still people, and they matter, and they're making you a better person, or you can react and become just like them. We're uh, hour number two. Done, dude. We'll be back next hour. Think uh, we're going to have a special guest. Bronco Mendenhall's wife, Holly Mendenhall, will be joining us next hour. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Man, we got a great show for you with our newest contributor, Holly Mendenhall. That's a coup. She's in the house. You got it. I know. That was a big one. She is by far the uh, the most powerful member of the Mendenhall family. <laughs> Some of you may have heard of her husband, Bronco, head coach at BYU football, but Every time Bronco's here, he's very clear that Holly truly is the deal maker. Well, she has the hardest job. For sure. Mother of three boys. And raising Bronco. Yes. <laughs> she's, a, she's a wonderful lady, and she's here to uh, help us understand how to help our kids find their strengths. One of the things I found really powerful about uh, the Mendenhalls and Holly is her kids are so different. They're so very different from each other. And... Um, She's able to go find their strengths, their talents, and just help them go there with those talents. And I wanted to pick her brain on that for our very first segment together. She's a contributor for the show, so she'll be on regularly walking us through just, you know, the things of life, helping us understand better how to just sit back and relax a little bit, let life happen, not have to force everything that's going on. Man, did you hear, speaking of forcing, uh, Donald Trump made an announcement. Um, he does not want to have to run attack ads. Okay, but he already has. Well, Did he, you see the new ones out on Jeb Bush? Well, he's a walking attack ad. Oh, so true. Right? No, yes. but so did, did he put the ones out against Jeb about being uh, too slow, like, He's, well, there was recent ones talking. It had little clips of what he said in the past. Well, yeah. Actually, what they did is they showed pictures of the illegal immigrants that have killed people here. Oh. And uh, over the sound of him saying having them come is an act of love and showing all these pictures. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so that, so but, that might be these packs kicking yeah, in and exactly. starting to— Yeah, exactly. could be the pack, right. But he's like, I'm not going—I'm not going to I'm, I'm not gonna run those. I don't want to run that. He just— 
He just says what he feels, you know. Yeah. Oh, he and Jeb are going at it on the on the ads on TV. He he's a, pretty powerful he, on both sides. He, he well, yeah, he really is a. He's going to save money doing it, but he is a walking. He's a walking attack ad. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, did you see this crazy thing? Did you would you believe that a person could lose 112 pounds just by not drinking Coca Cola? Over a long period of time, yes, I do. There's so much sugar in those sodas. How long, though? How long did it take? 78 years. <laughs> no. Sarah Turner, a British woman, consumed, this is why, consumed four liters of Coca-Cola a day. <gasps> oh, my goodness. I can't even imagine how much sugar that is. She lost half of her body weight after giving up the drink. I can see that for sure. Four liters? That's I can't. Cr- I'm surprised she's alive, actually. Yeah. That, that's, that's a, a lot, lot of, of soda. That's a lot of sugar. That's a lot of caffeine. She says um, she basically dropped eight dress sizes, 112 pounds. How many dress sizes did you drop? Be, so after the liposuction yeah, or after, after my diet? Both. After both. Um, I think three. Ben dropped wow, 400. Wow, looking good, Ben. You, really? He totally did. <laughs> Thanks. Ben and used I like to... the lace on the skirt there. That's looking good. <laughs> Don't point that out. <laughs> he's, very, he's very private about that. That's um, true. Check this out. The 424 grams worth of sugar oh, a day. Oh, goodness. By the way, she's still struggling, doesn't eat fruit and veggies yet. But you know what else? She also admitted she was addicted to Coke. You think? I'm like, no. No. Four you liters were? a day? Yeah, that sounds like an addiction. I could just drink it all day. Yeah. And um, oh. and didn't even think about the effect it was having on my body. But she shouldn't have diabetes or something. Yeah. She used to weigh 245 pounds. She's now down to 126. Wow. As she follows the diet. Good which, for all, her. by the way, also allows her to eat potatoes, baked beans, and protein filled foods. Uh, this was out, though, from Coca Cola, Great Britain, uh, of Great Britain, said that um, not all of our drinks, oh, no, she said all of our drinks can be enjoyed as part of a balanced diet and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. All of them. Just not four liters worth. No, you just get a shot. <laughs> there you go. Have your shot every day. It's uh, it's anyway. That's hmm. kudos to her. Yeah, that's a that's lot great. of that's a big change. Crazy stuff. <laughs> Let's go to the headlines. Find out what Kathy Aiken's got for us. Well, Matt, just a short time ago, Maryland Democratic Senator Barbara Mikulski announced her support of the Iran nuclear deal. That now appears to give President Obama the support he needs to stave off Republican efforts to stop the agreement. Thirty-four senators were needed to back an Obama veto, and she became the thirty-fourth. The manhunt has broadened in Fox Lake, Illinois, after Police Lieutenant Charles Glenowitz was shot and killed yesterday while pursuing three men on foot. Mayor Donnie Schmidt talked about the fallen officer. Not only did Fox Lake lose a family member, I lost a very dear friend. Understandably, our officers are having a very difficult day today. More than 100 police officers are looking for the men using dogs and helicopters. Police have asked people to stay inside and report anything suspicious. This marks the fourth police death in eight days. CNN changed its criteria for its upcoming Republican debate, making room for Carly Fiorina. The original rule was to use an average of poll numbers from July 16th to September 10th, but that changed to August 6th to the 10th. That gives Fiorina a better shot at the primetime debate since her poll numbers have risen over the last several weeks. A new ABC News 
News Washington Post poll shows more people don't like Hillary Clinton. According to the poll, 45 percent of, Amer- of Americans see Clinton favorably. That's down 7 percent since midsummer, while 53 percent view her unfavorably, up 8 percent. On the GOP side, 59 percent don't particularly care for Donald Trump. 37 percent rate him favorably. Kim Davis, a county clerk in Kentucky, denied same-sex couples marriage licenses yesterday, defying an order from the Supreme Court. Davis says she feels empowered by, quote, God's authority. David Moore was one of those seeking a license. Now she's being asked to do something that no clerk in Kentucky up until recently has been asked to do. It's not something she signed up for. Davis said she won't resign her post while a judge has summoned her to a hearing tomorrow. And Matt, that noise? What was that? That sounds like your new luxury car you just bought, but maybe this story will help you from never driving your luxury car onto a beach. Oh, no. A wealthy Russian man in his early 20s got a tad embarrassed recently when he tried showing off his Bentley onto a beach in Great Britain. The wheels on the car, estimated at around two and a half tons, began sinking in the sand, and the man couldn't get enough traction to drive away. Well, it took several onlookers about five hours to get it moving. It had to be eventually pulled by a tractor. The car took a little bit of a hit after the towing hook snapped off during the attempts to you free it. What? Just a little embarrassing. Uh, so embarrassing. I never drive my Brantley on the beach. <laughs> I would never take well, my Bentley Well, I was Bentley thinking out. of your Lamborghini, but uh, mm. yeah, maybe not the Bentley as well. Isn't that, um, that is just that a, a first world problem. Yeah, just this wealthy guy going, hey, look at me. And hey, losers, driving losing. my Bentley. <laughs> and slowly sinking into the sand. Wouldn't that have been great to like see the tide come in? See a beautiful woman in a bikini going, yeah, no. Yeah, that's not happening. That's not happening. Um, That's a a tragedy. Mm -hmm. I once once had my K car. Do you remember K cars? Cheap little Chevy cars back in the day. K car? No, I don't. I used to have uh, my my, uh, K car got stuck in the beach once. With like Great Salt Lake or where were you? Great Salt Lake. (laughs) That is just... Uh, Well, this new car that you're about to purchase, just just be careful, okay? Well, I'm going to get a four-wheel drive yeah. I'm excited. yeah no i can't i can't don't bring up the purchase i know but the one you're looking at i believe is all-wheel drive right uh-huh so that totally. will be good that it is totally very good be. in the winter time but i still won't take it on the beach no don't do that Mm-mm. no i had a friend that um or up in the mountain snow no i won't do that either i'm just gonna park it all mm-hmm. winter and mm-hmm. drive my bentley <laughs> um the i had a friend that just flooded his car he had a nice suburban pulling a boat and the guy kept saying, "Just back, back, back a little more, further. back more, a little more," and the car basically flooded. Oh no! Oh! Yeah, I tr- killed it. Yeah, that was audio from the event, and he he, he killed it. Very angry. It was. It costs a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, you don't flood a suburban. That would be very. expensive. That's also why you don't get a boat. Mm-hmm. I want a boat. No boats I are love money pits. To go boating. No, then you'll do you ruin- water ski. I do. I do. I love love that. Don't like to snow ski. I wakeboard, don't even you? Even though I've been born it. and raised here. Have you? Yeah. Don't I, like that. Yeah. No need to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I just, need the warm, warm weather. Warm I just like weather. to get out there, take my shirt off. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Uh, it just seems rude. Like reason. Right then, like that laugh seemed inappropriate. <laughs> I mean, there's a time to laugh and there's a time to just listen. No, I'm sorry. Just like to get my little sweater, my hairy chest sweater. <laughs> Oh, what a visual. Mm. Anyway, let's stop it right there. Hey, we got the greatest opportunity right now. Our newest contributor is in the house, Holly Mendenhall. She's here. Broncos, better half if uh, if she, you know, 
She's Holly. She stands on her own. Today she's going to be teaching us and talking to us about helping kids find their strength. You know what? Every kid has these incredible strengths. Do you know how to help leverage yours? Build some self-esteem through strength. Stick with us, folks. Holly Mendenhall up next right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, in the house, our newest contributor. Holy cow. It's a coup. This is a coup. Holly, you don't believe it, but we've been we've been trying to get Holly to come be a contributor on the show. Holly Mendenhall for probably a year because we asked you last time and you said you'd do it. And then we it fell through the cracks because we're horrible at managing things at times. <laughs> we meaning Matt Townsend. But Holly Mendenhall is joining us. You got to get to know Holly because she's going to be on quite a bit. Holly is Bronco Mendenhall's wife and my favorite guest. Bronco's always my favorite guest with you because you see a whole different side of Bronco when Holly's here. When Bronco, when Holly's not here, Bronco's still a different dude than when Holly's here. That's because he's an introvert. Yeah. I mean, naturally, he's he an introvert and an that. extrovert's yeah. job. Yeah. So, I mean. But you, you do something else to him. Like, I think he's just calmer with you. Do you feel like that? <laughs> it's probably because I take over and I'm obnoxious. <laughs> You're strong. But uh, this is some cool stuff about Holly Mendenhall. Graduate from University of Montana with a degree in French, en français. En français. Oui. Ooh, you even – oh, my gosh. That's, that's the extent of my French. She spent a semester <laughs> picking grapes at a winery in France. She Before she was married, she owned her own travel agency. Ten years, she worked at a dude ranch in Montana. She worked at Euro Disney in Paris for six months. You've authored and self-published books on budgeting. Where the heck did you get all this information? We we have an investigator. Yeah, no private kidding. Eye. We know like everything about good, you. Yeah, you she likes some... bran muffins in the morning and orange oh. juice. We found out everything, Holly. She's oh like, gosh. no, really, I really do. How did you know? <laughs> so, Holly, you have three beautiful boys, by the way. And by the way, the names. Where'd you get the names? Ryder, Raider. No, sorry, Raider, Breaker, and Cutter. They sound like well, horses. Yeah, well, they are. Okay. But Bronco's name is Bronco. Yeah, there you go. And I mean, now everyone's names are different. But, but those are but cool names. When Bronco was younger, they weren't so unique. No, right. Yeah. Well, was Bronco? That's a weird name. Bronco's a weird name. Back well, he's in our the day. baby of, and he had three older brothers. And I think they said, "Let's, mom, can we name him something?" So they got together with dad and said, "Can we name the new baby something?" Let's name, uh, I mean, let, she just she about let, died. She, when, let, when, she when, let the kids name the. Well, when her dad, when his dad and the boys came in and said, "We want to name him Bronco," she said, "No, no way." But. That's what went through. Paul, is Paul yep. was the dad. Yeah, is now now they live by you, right? They but, do. Uh, and, just just we're kind of attached. They're kind of down in the trees. So, but they're the they're just perfect. Are they in laws? They're just not yeah, too. They, I, sometimes we have to kind of get in their face to get them to kind of be. They're right. just not invasive. Yeah, you know. So well, they're like Bronco, really. Them. Yes, they're just very respectful of our space, of our privacy, and sometimes I want them just to, you know, pound on the door yeah. and come in and be a little more. In my yeah, get yeah, in here, get yeah, in here. Yeah. Do you, um, your kids? We've talked a lot about it, and that's one of the reasons I wanted you on here because there's football, sports at BYU. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. It's, it's just, a weird thing in our country. No, it's everywhere, isn't it's it? It's culture. Yeah, for sure. So I, I, to me, it's fun to have you on an on the inside track, kind of being realistic about 
what we're doing to our kids. Well, you know, I didn't grow up in that sports no. craze. My You're, dad was from Detroit. Yeah. And went to med school here, met my mom, and he headed north to Montana to hunt and fish. Really? And so we just weren't really – I mean, my brother was a basketball player, and so it was more basketball for us. Yeah. And I remember our family ski trips stopped when he was playing basketball because the coach didn't want him to ski. And that's still one of my mom's biggest regrets is that the family trips stopped. And I've always had that in my brain. And I always remember thinking, well, that's dumb. I'm not playing basketball. Right. Why can't we go on ski trips? Yes, that's right. But I just wasn't – I mean, I looked more – I love life sports. Mm -hmm. And I really want my children to enjoy life sports. I want them to ski. I want them to learn how to play tennis, Mm -hmm. to be good swimmers. Kind of individual stuff, really. I guess you call them life sports. Things that they can do throughout their life that, you know, keeps them healthy and and fit. Are you guys boaters? Do you water ski? Oh, boy, is that a – that's a sore subject in our house. Bronco wants a boat so badly. Well, he's a surfer. He wants to get one of those surfing boats yeah. that you can just surf off the wake yeah. in the back. Yeah, and oh, I keep saying, okay, we'd probably have two or three days uh-huh. to even enjoy that so while it's yeah, depreciating yeah. in the yeah. garage. You know, so just, we haven't gone down that road yet, but we yeah. have a couple of friends that invite us, and so that's that's good it. That's all you need. Yeah, that's well, all enough. That's good. All right Bronco now. needs to do is put something out there on Twitter. Hey. Would love to go surfing <laughs> behind a boat. Any takers? No, he needs someone that's not going to bug him, though. That's that, true. That on the boat can he can that can just be okay with yeah. him sitting there and staring out at the water and not oh, like <laughs> not communicating or smiling. Yeah, or, just you know, letting Bronco. Totally, totally, yeah. Did you did you guys do a family trip this week this year? Yes, we did. We always go to Montana, oh, which cool. is my Bronco the month of July. Yeah. But that's my gig. And you stayed there the we whole month. To, uh, no, we we split it up because he needs the beach. Oh, that's right. Bronco needs the beach. So we went to Costa Rica for two weeks. Holy cow. So it was, uh, yeah. Cutter, our oldest, came home with salmonella. Are you kind of a whole, Which is just classic because we were driving oh. down the road and this vendor was, you know, doing the kebabs and Bronco. We were arguing about where to eat for dinner. Family there you go. Arguing. Bronco said, well, if you guys weren't with me, that's where we would be eating. And I said, oh, no. I said to the boys, you never eat at a street vendor in a country like this. Yeah, you know this. this." You're a travel expert. And Bronco said, that's exactly where we would go. They cook the meat. There wouldn't be any problems. And that's when we got in the whole cross-contamination of (laughs) used knives, whatever. Yeah. So anyway, we did not eat there. That's not where Cutter got it. No, we don't know where he got it. So it's Bronco's fault. Cutter got salmonella. Cutter. Yeah. Talk about your kids because the thing that we – when we found out last time, they are so vastly different from each other, which all mm-hmm. kids are. They are. But but what's – what I, you, you've been able to manage it really well. Well, you don't really know as a parent how no. your children are coming to this earth. No way. And I didn't have any idea how different each child would be and, and uh, how different their interests would be. And how different from me their interests would be. Yeah. And so – They're I, even so different from you. They're not even into what you like. Right, right. And so oh, – I did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know that all-access BYU show uh-huh, yeah. that was on last night? So we watched it and Bronco said, what do you think? And I said, well, for me, parts of it I really liked. But, you know, I didn't like all the football, football stuff. Uh-huh. But my boys were like, oh, dad, that was a 10 for me. I loved that part. Did, yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, we're just, we're just different what, in what exactly you, you like. But Everyone is, But really. I think as a parent, you have to think, okay, this is where I think his talents are, and this is where I think I should steer him. Yeah, guide him. The, the trick, I think, is getting them to know that you know where their talents could potentially be and right. steering them like toward you mean, that. Like getting them convinced that you have a clue? Right. You know, something my mom used to say to me used to drive me nuts, but she would say, she still says it, Holly, I know you better than you know yourself. And I would be like, oh, mother. Gosh, I hate that. (laughs) But I can see that with my children now. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And you're not, 
you're not you're not it doesn't you you don't have an agenda per se you just you want what's best for them but you can read them oh absolutely that's you cool. can read them and you see what's and they're very unique i mean everyone we have boys and so mm-hmm. everyone thinks that our boys are going to be football players oh yeah and um one of them is and this is his first year and he's an eighth grader so, really? He's just starting. Well, I wouldn't let him. That's that, smart. I, we should, no, we should we clarify about that. that. We yeah. should clarify that, yeah. Bronco, just, I, I just was adamant that he just was not going to play until he was older. And I took a lot of flack from that, like in the community, people kind of saying, well, make, what makes you think he'll you know, be able to make a team? What makes you think he'll even know how to play? And I just you know, wasn't really worried about that. What part of that is parenting, though? Just That's one of the things I admire in you because you're so strong enough to say, whatever. Like, you don't. I mean, really? Well, you can't listen to the culture around everyone you. You have to is... look at, like, what is real and look mm-hmm. at, like, studies. And, and I'm thinking, okay, when I'm – I mean, reality-wise, when I'm seeing six-year-olds out there in pads being oh, knocked around, I'm heads. thinking, hmm, that doesn't really seem that healthy to me. <laughs> right. But, you know, Bronco wasn't around to push that. I think a lot of – there's probably a lot of women that are like me, but the dads are like, oh, it'd be good for oh, him. Yeah. I did it. You know, That's I'm okay. True. So I didn't have that because Bronco, that was different. Bronco was out so, coaching, but if he had been yeah. home, he may have been a little league coach and said, let's just try this. There were some other coaches on the staff, though. We actually have quite a few friends that are collegiate coaches that held their boys out, no. wouldn't let their boys start but Isn't that so important? That's telling. And that was my uh, ammunition for yeah. my son. Everyone's saying, doing oh, it. Coach so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. But you, your kids are so, also – so what, what do they do then? So I know one's, so, an, uh, one's an actor. Yeah, so our oldest son loves the arts. So, so he's a voracious reader. Mm. And his football field, soccer field, is the world of academ- academics. I mean, really? he loves school. He loves being challenged. He loves being pushed. Interesting. And he loves the arts. He loves music. He plays the piano beautifully. He plays the saxophone. He sings, and he d- loves musical theater. Does he so really? So he loves to do all that, yeah. That he did is swim cool. team for a long time, and then... Did he know this, or did he just kind of? Did he just said he just started being in plays, and then he liked it, and he wanted more? Or did he just grow into it? I think just kind of grew into it. Kind of a friend saying, "Hey, you know, this is. Would you ever want to do this?" And he started at a little a little community theater, yeah, and started that. And that's something that's very foreign to me. So he's we yeah. kind of are learning that together. We'll say, "Okay, what do you think about this?" And then we kind of go back and Isn't forth. That and, beautiful though. Like, so that's a. An See adventure. your kids' talents, though. And that, that's the moment of parenting that's really cool. When they're doing something that you know is not you, like that is so above you, it's their gifts, it's their talents, and you get to just take it in. What's really fun is to watch he and Bronco because Bronco helps him with his lines. Are you serious? Yeah. And I <laughs> chuckle in like? there and I'm thinking, okay, if somebody had a camera in here, this really? is what would be hilarious. That would be funny. Because Bronco's really good at it. He'll say, that it's... was terrible. He'll say, that was terrible. And Cutter is really good at taking constructive criticism. Yeah. And so it's that he can, Bronco can actually help Cutter with his lines. Is he an actor? So could... Bronco is an actor? Like <laughs> no, me. I but... keep saying to him, how do you know how to do that? How do you know how to tell well, him that? he's done a million because commercials, it, I guess. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But he's good at it. And it's, Isn't that yeah. funny? Because yeah. you would think that yeah. he doesn't do that. He wouldn't yeah. do that. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't know where that comes from. But he's, he helps Cutter by far. And Cutter will just say, when will dad be home? You yeah. know, I'll help him. And he'll say, when is dad coming yeah, home? Yeah, this isn't working, Mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and there was, a, there was one time fairly recently where Cutter really needed help and Bronco was just wasted, you know. Yeah, tired. And he was so tired and... He went in to go to bed, and I went in and got him out of bed. And I said, you get out there go and run help your, your kids. Yeah, he's 15, and you don't know how much longer he's going to even want your advice. That's so true. So you get out there and help him. So he threw the covers <laughs> off and glared at me. And Fine. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. Went out there. and Oh, Holly, that's so, – that no, I don't know. But that's but, a great thing for people to hear that – 
I mean, a well, that he, he does he, that, but that you. You sometimes you're the conscience, right? You have to decide this is what needs to be done. We need to do this right now as a parent. Well, he's been dealing with a hundred other of other people's children oh. all day long, right? So right. then he comes home and he's got our Your three, junk too. Yeah. But you know what? These our are, junk should be. These are the most important three. Yeah. So sometimes I have to prod him along a little well, and say good. hello, hello. Good. We're speaking with Holly Mendenhall, the better half of the Mendenhall clan. We shouldn't say that. Bronco's okay. <laughs> But Bronco always gets the attention. But it's Holly, a team. It's a team. It's totally a team, and that's what you hear. Bronco and actually Holly Mendenhall is our, our new contributor to the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to come back, continue this discussion about how we help our children find their strengths and, and, and really, I think, how we push each other as parents, as a family, to, uh, to be the very best we can be. Stick with us. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, in the studio with us, Holly Mendenhall, our new contributor on the show. Uh, she's uh, married to Bronco. You may have heard of him. He runs an athletic team at Brigham Young University. <laughs> Just BYU football. But she, honestly, Holly, straight talk, awesome mom, great. I mean, you're kind of like the Renaissance woman, really. Oh, well, it sounds weird, but you travel, you've, you're, you speak French, you love experiencing the world and life, and a lot of that doesn't get to happen because your husband coaches football. Well, Bronco and I always say, don't let the classroom get in the way of your learning. That's so true. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that you can gain in this life that are just not in the classroom. And we live in a pretty homogenous yeah, place. totally. A pretty, you know, people call it a bubble. People call right. it Happy Valley. Well, you can call it whatever you want. Mm-hmm. It's a great place to live. It's very safe, safe and clean and... You know, all of those things. But if you want to get a taste for the real world, you have to get out and, you know, be adventuresome. And I, that's right. you know, I want my kids to have those experiences. I, it's, I enjoy living in this place mm-hmm. and then taking them to those places yeah. on and my own terms. And then coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want salmonella, sometimes you got to leave the country. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Not to get technical. That's just, a, we're just citing yeah. back to one of our kids had salmonella. No yeah. big deal. Yeah. Probably because of Bronco, yeah, quite honestly. Yeah, exactly. He probably picked Just a restaurant. eat from a vendor. Yeah. Um, talk about your other kids. So one of your – one of Cutter is kind of more of an actor. He's an artist. He's a – he loves school. He'll mm-hmm. probably be what? What do you sense he'll be someday? What can you predict? I think Cutter could do anything he wanted to. He's actually very academic. So, he so could be I think academic. he could be – He could be a professor. He could go into the sciences. Mm. I think he could go into the arts in some capacity. That's cool. So I, I have no idea with him. What about Raider and Breaker? What's Raider? Well, Breaker is kind of a sport guy. He's kind of a love the one you're li- with. Is he? Yeah. He's the flavor of the month. If he loves it's baseball this fun. month, then it's basketball this month. Yeah. And then it's. Is he naturally you know, gifted? You look at him like, ah, oh, geez, he's just good. You know, actually, all of our boys are really coordinated. That's great. They're very athletic, very coordinated. Yeah. But it, whatever they want to do with that is fine. I'm honestly. Because I live this world, I want them to have a high school experience. Yeah. Beyond that, when they get to college, I want them to study. Yeah, get real, you know, I want figure to, it out. Yeah, I want them to be able to use. I mean, so many of Broncos athletes, you know, finish playing football. They leave and they come back and they don't know anything else because right. their whole entire life has been the ball. football. Oh, I know. They have no hobbies, yeah. no interests, and and the, and if you tell them 
well, let's try something. They don't even know where to begin yeah. with that because they just haven't had that chance. So I, I, I always tell my kids, you're playing sports now to play intramurals in college. That's right. Because intramurals will help you meet friends. They'll help you stay healthy. Yeah. It's a good social interaction, all those See, things. That's so, so healthy. I don't know. Well, well just, but I, I, my kids are playing football, and they're all, you know, all the coaches in our league want their kids to play college, and I'm like, I get real. You know, it's funny. Usually, when my kids play sports, I have to kind, of, I sit in the corner or I sit in the car. Yeah, I'm a big sitter in the car. Oh, I'll fight to find the front spot. <laughs> I can't handle hearing. The negative. I can't stand it. Will I you can't, be at the game this weekend? Nebraska. Yeah. You know, um, no, we're not. We, I've, I'd planned forever you to will, go to yeah. this to this game because Labor Day weekend. Yeah. And then Raider has a soccer tournament. Cutter is auditioning to sing in a jazz band. Holy cow. And Breaker has a football game. So, yeah, and it's I don't want to miss those. No, no. I mean, I've got Broncos games to go to right. forever. But my boys, this is a short window. I want to be to all of their activities. And see, that's so cool. When I'm, I look out there and see Breaker, he looks like a, you know, this skinny kid in his little football uniform. Yeah. You know, it's like, really? So is, I, are it, any of them into horses? Is Raider into Raider. horses? Is he Raider's a farmer. Is yeah, he? he's a so farmer. He and we did not even know that. We just – that has just – It's just coming – how old is – how old is Raiders he? 12. And and Bronco had tried with the older two to get him into the horses and all that. And I just said, you know, it's not their thing. No. That's okay. You, you can't. And here comes little Raider and he started begging us for a miniature horse. Did he really? Bronco was looking at him like, you got to be kidding me, you know, <laughs> Mr. Cutting Horse yeah, Trainer, right. whatever. Hold on. Wasn't he – who sells the ducks? You know, who sells – Oh, rabbits. That was Cutter. Oh, Cutter did the rabbits. Yeah, that's yeah right. Cutter did the rabbits. But uh, yeah, no. So we um, we got him a miniature horse, and he loves. Well, he has two. He has two miniature horses. Does he really? He's trained him to drive a cart. <laughs> oh, so he does. Right. He does birthday parties. You know, that is so takes cool. people up and down on the cart. Do you take? I mean, I'm assuming you have to be involved with a 12 year old. Honestly, no. Don't you really? I let him. He just he, I it. let him have his space. I mean, it's it, you know, it's obviously a safe environment. Yeah, yeah. And if he does a birthday party or something, I'm out there with him right. to make sure everything's okay and safe. But um, no, he's, yeah, he's out there and he's out. The other day, I looked out and I'm like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm just there's a dry spot on the on the grass over here." So he was hauling the sprinkler out, trying to <laughs> set a little sprinkler up. You know, he really just wants to be. He's a farmer. Outside, he's trying to learn the different chickens and kind of. Is Grandpa Paul involved in this? It seems like that would be. Paul a, loves that. It seems yeah, like that later. would be the yeah. connection. I mean, the first time we brought this miniature horse to the barn, Paul said, what are we going to do with that thing? <laughs> what is that? People are going to make fun of me. Yeah, if <laughs> that's, that's right. on their property. But now, you know, he, it's kind of the hit of the oh, that's barn, classic. you know, so they're have, cute. Have um, Have you ever heard of, I'll just tell everybody out there, There's a there's an assessment called the VIA. Character Strengths Assessment. No. And if you go to um, if you go to AuthenticHappiness.com, you can go take this assessment. It's for kids. And they go answer about 100, 200 questions. And then it lists from top to bottom their character strengths. What's their number one strength, their number two, their number three, their number four, all the way down to their bottom strengths. What was it called? Authentic it's Happiness? It's called AuthenticHappiness.com. Oh, I got And I was thinking that – Man, that for everybody, that's the way you help your kids identify what they're good at. And then interestingly, I took mine as an adult and I found out that everything I've, I'm making a living on are my strengths. Like my number one strength is uh, love of learning, uh, social intelligence, all of these different character strengths. And I'm like, holy cow, that's how I make my money. And I never was guided by knowing it beforehand. You are probably in a minority of I people, know. don't you think? Totally. I'll that t- are nobody doing what knows they, this. Yeah. I know. So, but you kind of feel it out for your kids, mm-hmm. and then you have to kind of get them to buy into it. But this assessment, you just go there and you look up the VIA Strengths Survey for Kids, 
Okay. And have your kids take it. And then all of a sudden, what the research shows is the happiest kids work on their strengths, not their weaknesses. And they use their strengths to mitigate their weaknesses. So, for example, I don't self-regulate like my time very well. I don't regulate my time. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I then – so the way I care about time is not by self-regulation. I care about it because I'm socially intelligent and I want to be done so my next person doesn't suffer. So I actually manage my time by my strength, not by my weakness. And most people, we know what we're not good at and we spend our whole life trying to lift what we're not good at. Anyway, check it out. It's AuthenticHappiness.com. Okay. And then all of a sudden it creates these discussions for your kids about – That's a great Sunday discussion. These are your strengths. Yeah. And what's cool, there's an adult one for you and Bronco. So go take that one. And it for Bronco to this figure out – This is right out, up his alley. I know. This is right up his alley. I'd have every athlete doing it to have them all know their he top strengths. He has them take these uh, yeah, like H, the, HBDI. Like Myers-Briggs stuff. Is it? He's uh, had him yeah, do that uh-huh. and then HBDI. HBDI. And he's got them all charted and this guy's green, this guy's yeah, red. You know knows. what I mean? And then he knows oh, yeah. how to coach them, I guess. Right, I guess. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Holly, we need more time. Well, thanks for being here. Yes, absolutely. Fun. We're going to we'll have you back every I don't know what you committed to, but <laughs> you might regret it. We're going to and what's cool, we'll do a little update with about Bronco, but honestly, this is Holly teaching us because nobody gets it. Nobody gets what's going on with these coaches in their lives. That's true. And I think got to live it to know it. But you also need to teach us over time and we'll have you do this about just being a parent of an athlete in the athletic world because we're so warped. Holy oh, cow. Our, our whole country is. No, uh, yeah. Totally. We're not going to yeah. allow that to happen. We'll fix it, Holly. <laughs> Holly Mendenhall, you're the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks have for a, having have me. Have a great uh, couple weeks till we see you again. Holly Mendenhall, we'll take a break. Come back. Go visit our buddies down at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. A special tribute to our good buddies down at BYU Sports Nation. A song that they chose from, I guess, Smashing Pumpkins. Today it's called, Hello, Gentlemen. Today it... Oh, that was my Billy Corrigan. My bad. <laughs> Dude, oh, is this, sing is it. Is this the instrumental version? I guess, yeah. We wanted you to sing it. Why'd you go my Why do you sound like you sound like you're on helium? Yeah, I can't do that. Great song, thanks. How are you guys? We are fantastic. Really good. We're laughing a lot this morning. You why? What's wrong today? Hashtag Thug Mormons. That's what happened, Matt. (laughs) Okay. okay, Hashtag Thug Mormons. Social media can be amazing. Yeah. A guy named Mike Welch, a uh, radio show host in Lincoln, Nebraska. Be always playing Nebraska. Uh huh. Yes. He tweeted um, something amazing this morning. Okay. What? He he tweeted, uh, you know, something to the effect of, if you're a religious school and you have a team full of thugs, you need to be willing to accept the backlash. He was so. referencing the fight after the Miami Beach Bowl. And, really? Okay. You know, they're they're BYU players in trouble with the law. Blah, blah blah. Okay. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, this hashtag hashtag thug Mormons because that's what he put out. <laughs> Are you serious? Showed up on Twitter. So everyone's tweeting stuff. Like, I tweeted, like, Porter Rockwell, Thug Mormon. <laughs> I tweeted, Dan Smith, Thug Mormon. Thug That's Mormon. Video. Uh, 
you know, the picture of uh, former BYU football players <laughs> in weird pictures. Doug Mormons. You know, everyone's jumping in. Uh, it's it's the number four trending topic in Salt Lake right now. Oh, that is so Hashtag. funny. It's really funny. Not all of the members of the team no. are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Right. right? So, so his tweet, his boss made him delete it, whatever. No one's taking it super seriously. It's just it's just amusing. It's just hilarious. Yeah. So now everyone's tweeting pictures of their you know little kids. Thug Mormons. You know, it's just hey, it's funny. Uh, answer me this. Didn't didn't you guys have something to do with all access? No. You didn't? We, I thought we, we talked about that yesterday. Inside BYU football? Uh-huh. No. Oh, I thought. I thought. The, the, there's a separate group that, uh, you know, that does it. They're in the building. Okay, guess and they're what? they're shooting and editing, but they did a great job they last did. night if did. everyone saw that. If you didn't, go check it out. Holly Mendenhall was just on the show, and they sat down as a Mendenhall family and watched it. Really? What are they? Likey. They likey all access. And the, the boys, Broncos kids, loved it. Bronco loved it. Breaker, Raider, and Breaker, Cutter. Breaker, Raider, loved and it. Cutter loved it. Holly loved it. <laughs> Wanted to probably move on to something else, but they loved it. So I, the whole time I'm thinking, that, oh, I thought you guys had something to do with that, but maybe not. You know why they love it, Matt? Why? Because we have an amazing fan base. That, that's exactly right. Speaking of. Speak about it. At Real Mike Welch, that very same radio host in Nebraska just tweeted the following. Your fan base won. I was made to delete all of it. Actually, a very impressive Twitter mob by you guys. Awesome. <laughs> Do not mess with the Mormons on social media. Yeah. We had that mob experience. It's not fun. <laughs> it's so interesting. That's interesting, guys. You, you, you shut down the Thug Mormon comment. That's how we roll, baby. Well, we actually... You, you actually made like, it. You blew it up. Fl- yeah, well, the fans did. We're just part yeah. of this. You know, yeah. We're seeing it and participating. But You're like the dealer. It's, They're it's like, just yeah. amusing. Yeah. No one's, no one's offended. No. You know, it's, it's really good. It's fun. We're good. We're all mature here. Yeah. We're mature. Well, no, not everyone's mature. No way. Oh, that's a great point. Absolutely not. <laughs> There's some ridiculous people. Super great on point. Twitter, but it, but it's fun when you can just laugh at something. Hey, you know? next next time, by the way, that you talk to Bronco, ask him. Just say, I heard you gave your kids salmonella. Okay, mm. we will do that. What's what's the story? I have an interview with Bronco tomorrow, so just I can say, ask him about it. Say, tomorrow. is it true that you gave your kids salmonella on their on your trip? He didn't get. It. He didn't actually give it, but he's it, Bronco's a big advocate of like pulling over like to those little people, the people that are selling their little. Um, what are they called? Uh, like their goods, their tacos on the side of the street. And he's like, let's just go there and get some. And Holly's really against that. Anyway, Bronco, they had a, a discussion about it on their trip. And Holly ended up winning. But long story short, one of their kids still got salmonella at another restaurant. <laughs> oh, no, that's terrible. So just, just joke about it. I heard, I heard you got your kids sick with salmonella. Okay. Just say that. See what I'll bring it up tomorrow. And if, if so, just say, you know, it was Holly said it. So don't, no big deal. Hey, you guys still doing your show then? We are. What 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 what's on topic today? Well, along with Thug Mormons, <laughs> Thug Mormons, <laughs> which is just which is already ended. Social but media right now. Uh, we are talking about. Well, first of all, our takeaways from inside BYU football. There were some things revealed last night that were really like insightful. Like we, Jeremy and I, feel like we are plugged in to BYU football. Yeah. Oh, you are. We're not that plugged in. <laughs> not as plugged in as the guys that are behind closed doors and in coaches' meetings. So there were some things revealed that uh, we're going to talk about, Ooh. notably from Robert and I, what he said about the BYU offense and why it is by far more where it needs to be than it has been in the past few years. Interesting. Cool. And then T. John Caroma, the BYU center, saying he feels like his performance at Nebraska 
can win the game for BYU. Why would the center say that? Wow. Okay. He's going to be running up by the center. Uh, also, and Nebraska the, head yeah. coach Mike Riley will join us. You guys. So we'll ask him to tell us all the trick plays that they're going to run this Saturday. Oh, coach? I'm sure he'll, he'll just download. So uh, what do you Give us do? the game plan. Hey, what, just so you know, you gonna run? if you guys want a little insider, um, I was walking. I, I go on a walk a lot of times and on campus. A walkabout. A walkabout to go mm-hmm. clear my head. And um, I, walked by, I walked by Coach Anai, and he's so intense that he didn't even say hi. So I just think that's a sign that BYU is going to kill. Let's go, baby. They're in the zone, man. It's They're in the, the zone. zone. Auto zone. Auto zone. Not sponsoring the show. Stop, go, Pennzoil. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, have a great hey, hey, show no, today. Too many free references. I know. Today we're, we're referencing everybody. Have a great show, you, Thanks, Matt. you crazy Mormon thugs. Thank you, doctor. See you, kids. Yeah, those guys. Them be the Mormon thugs. Um, good stuff. Hey, did you hear this new thing? Ben's going to die. This is too sad. Uh, ben, you like ice cream, right? I, I really do, actually. Guess what? Uh, would you like ice cream more if it didn't melt? Imagine ice cream that doesn't melt. It depends. Sure, it defies one of the natural laws, ice to liquid, but check this out. Sticky, drippy, running ice cream may become a thing of the past. Scientists from the University of Dundee, which is where, by the way, Crocodile Dundee was the number one graduate of Dundee, and Edinburgh, Edinburgh said they formulated a new recipe for ice cream that doesn't melt in warm temperatures. A naturally occurring protein known as BSIA, by the way, that doesn't sound very natural, that binds together the air, fat, and water in ice cream to make it melt-resistant. The researchers discovered a way to produce this protein, which already occurs naturally in some foods, and they can now introduce it into the ice cream, and bada-boom, bada-bing, you got yourself some ice cream that will not melt. See, I, I kind of have a problem with that, actually. Why? What's your problem with that? Because the more things you put in ice cream, the worse it tastes. And, mm, you and do. like the melting ice cream is part of the experience. You do have a point there. <sighs> well, way to ruin the story. I'm I'm just that objective voice. On the neat the side. thing, though, I think, is that you could now have ice cream that you could ship to Uganda. Now we could start taking ice cream to Africa without refrigerating it. Without refrigerating it. Could we just really quickly go check in on um, President Obama? We've been interviewing him throughout the show. Obama was just had a moment with Bear Grylls, that outdoor expert. He spent an entire day with him yesterday. Trying to learn, you know, outdoor skills, survival skills. And we had some audio of him. Let's go back and see if, if it's any better than earlier. President Obama, are you there? <laughs> You've spent an entire day with Bear Grylls. How are you doing, sir? Okay. You're sad. <laughs> President Obama, you seem very okay. Yeah. You know what? It's not, he's not good yet. Uh, we'll we'll let you go, President. Sorry, sorry about that. That's tragic. I mean, that bear grills. He eats rats. He eats. I mean, <laughs> President sounds traumatized. Anyway, let's go to our hero of the day. We always like to wrap up the show talking about heroes. There's a lot of bad stuff that happens in the world, but there's just as many, if not significantly, more heroes out there. Today's uh, Townsend's hero is a director of a Turkish tech firm. In May, the Turkish tech firm Yenskepti.com, 
an online food ordering company, was acquired for $569 million by the German-based delivery Hero. One of the heads of the company decided that a portion of the proceeds should go directly to their employees, which is about $27 million to be exact. Each employee took home $200,000. Some employees cried, some screamed, and some just gave thanks. Nevzat Aydin, the company's CEO, said there were emotions because you affect the lives of the people. It was a good thing. I wish we could have given them more. Aydin also uh, sold uh, that this offer came at the right time as many employees were reported to be struggling with finances. A CEO of a company makes half a trillion dollars and pays his employees a bonus, $200,000 per That, friends, is a hero. Now, you can think, oh, he could have paid more. And he also could have paid nothing. Folks, you too can be heroes in your companies, in your life. Uh, There's everywhere around us. We need more heroes. Thanks for joining us. That is the show. If you want more information, go check us out. Go to BYUradio.org. Find us on iTunes, on TuneIn. We can't do the show without you. We'll be back tomorrow again, 9 to noon Eastern time. And until then... Take care of each other and make it a great one. We'll talk tomorrow.